Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, a very nice heavy company. Welcome along. Thursday, the 4th of August. It's definitely colder. Definitely cold. You'll notice the difference when you go outside this morning. You'll go, it's a bit autumnal, isn't it? We're only into blooming August, for goodness sake. Uh, the good sleep that can beat back pain. If you're suffering with back pain at the moment, I know exactly how you feel. Uh, Orlando Bloom gets the family jewels out. Uh, although, very wisely, the papers have decided to pixelate them. They don't want you to be embarrassed by things like that. Uh, the Romanian crook that we let in, jailed for sex attacks... Anger as Pushy Mum helps child win brain box competition. Sherry Houston quit loose swimming. She said she's really gone as far as she can. She can't really say anything else. And uh, perhaps we can recommend a few others to go the same way. And council bosses are thinking about a memorial to Victoria Wood. All of that and more between now and uh, whatever time it is this morning. But, I mean, who cares? To be honest with you, it's now, you know, we've got to that stage where the figures are the best that we've had in ages and ages. The 4am spike is even bigger than it was before, which is fantastic. And people love that. And it's, you know, it's great. I mean, to be honest with you, it couldn't actually be um, be any better. Obviously, my, uh, my other producer in conversation has woken up. We're really pushing it to the wire this week. I mean, we really are pushing it. <laughs> That's sort of what we're going to do. I think we'll have to have a rerun, Mark, won't we? How about sort of a bit of Steve Allen from the archive? I quite like that idea, because that's about the only way we're going to manage it today, because uh, tomorrow I've got uh, things to do, and I don't know how we're going to manage it all tomorrow. We're not, are we, really? But I'm sure that there's something in place, he says. He says, because at the moment, because normally I actually like, like to get, you know... Oh, I've done the blasted thing twice now, silly old me. Uh, I, I normally like to get everything in place by the time we get to a Thursday, but this week it's not worked out the way that we wanted it to. So in conversation, as uh, sort of it's 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 losing a little bit. That's all I can tell you. That's all I can tell you this week. It doesn't matter. It'll sort itself out. Uh, my friend Jordan sent me in the uh, the spike. He said, "Look at that spike! Look at that spike! Yeah, it does look quite good actually. I have to be honest. I mean, you can't, we can't seem to lose this year. Bit of a miracle, isn't it? Really. But thank you very much. And it's you. I mean, you. I haven't done it. You've done it." And because of uh, sort of a, a bigger profile on the station, more and more people wake up and they go, I wake up at four in the morning. I'm there for Steve Allen's 4am spike. But unfortunately this morning, you, never, you nearly didn't get me. We had another disastrous taxi journey in this morning. So I had to drive. I had to drive in. I nearly... I mean, you know the situation. I'll tell you how it works. The cab is a regular every day. Every day, same time, cab turns up. Sometimes we have stupid people who can't find me. I'm the only one standing on the road. Me and a fox... And nobody else. There's nobody within 20 bloody miles in either direction. Anyway, so this morning, he turns up early, but he decides to go to sleep. So, and he's not parked near me. He's up the road somewhere. So I'm sort of standing there thinking, hmm, what are we going to do? I mean, he is here quite early, 25 minutes early. You would have thought, being intelligent, if he had the intelligence, that he'd pick me up, bring me to town, that he could carry on earning money. No, he decides to go to sleep for 30 minutes. So he goes to sleep. So we then get past the pick-up time. So I phone. You're late. I put the phone down. This doesn't phase him in the slightest. Doesn't fa- he, he's, he's not moving from where he is because he thinks he's on the right road, which he is. He's just nowhere near me. So it's now gone half past. We get to 25 two, and I phone him again. Where are you? I'm on so-and-so road. I said, you're not with me. Uh, so I put the phone down. Five minutes later, I call him again. You're still not here. You're now really late. We're now getting to quarter two. We're now 15 minutes late. You've got one minute to start your little vehicle and push it round to wherever it needs to go to, but to be with me, or I'm driving in. 
Nothing. Nothing. Not a peep out of him. I'm in the right place. Listen, I've got a map. They send you a map. You can see where you are and you can see where they are. And he wasn't with me. So in the end, I thought, sod this for soldiers. I'm going to be really late. So I go and get my car out. Endless cost of petrol and stuff like that, as you can well imagine. And, and I bring it... As I pass him, I wind down the window and I shout, you know, usual sort of things like, I hope you never work ever again. You're an idiot. And uh, all that kind of thing. I'm now driving my own car in, which is a lot better than your one. So I drive in. Three quarters of the way into town, I get a phone call from the company. Uh, your driver's outside. I said he can sit there and whistle, as far as I'm concerned. And I explained the scenario of exactly how we've got to the situation where I'm having to drive myself in because you've got an idiot driver who can't find an address. I mean, the man was stupid beyond belief. And so that put me in a foul mood. But anyway, I thought that's always good, actually. If you come in in a bad mood and then you look at the uh, the audience figures, that kind of sort of balances that out a bit, doesn't it? So you sort of get, you know... You sort of, and so that even that didn't help. Even that didn't help. I was still in a bad mood, even after I'd looked at the audience figures. And even after people have been texting saying it looks good. Eddie Mayer sent me a text, because I was, I was panicking yesterday. Sorry to name drop, but wait a minute. God was talking to me the day before. And... Um, because I, I panic. Before I go to bed the night before the audience figures come out, because you always think in this business, just supposing you've gone off the boil, just supposing all of a sudden people fall, fall out of love with the programme for whatever reason. Doesn't doesn't matter what it is. Maybe they just go, oh, I don't listen to it anymore. And all of a sudden they have to phone you up and go, listen, Steve, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, the audience figures have died. Um, and, and you do worry about it. I mean, I shouldn't really, but I do. And they keep saying, don't worry about it. Listen, you walk it, you walk it. I said, listen, I'm never that complacent about the audience figures. So I go to bed and I have a dreadful night's sleep. Night before Rage I lie there tossing, tossing again, and then turning, and it's just and and in the end, I have to get up out of bed, and you have to wait till about twenty past twelve before this website puts up the thing. So I'm thinking, oh God, I'm not sure I can look at it. I'm not sure. And so I go on to it. I then develop a coughing fit. So there I am. I I forgot to water the baskets. I, I look at the audience figures and I go, oh, that's all right. That's all right. And I'm and because I'm sort of fairly comfortable with it, I then just sort of sit down, have, have a cup of coffee, and have a shave, and sort of think, Phew, got through another one. Because that's what you do in this business. It, you're as good as your last set of audience figures. And you don't do anything different. So if the audience figures drop off for any programme, it doesn't matter. You don't do anything different. I don't all of a sudden think I'm going to change the style of the programme. I'm going to start putting in more newsy items. Perhaps, you know, Steve talks politics for sort of 25 minutes. Or say, what did they offer me the other day? I laughed. I seriously, the, the, <laughs> it's going to hate me for saying this. The producer said, we, we've been offered a book about a journalist who went to meet ISIS. I said, for which programme would this be? And he said, I thought for in conversation. Now, we've clutched at straws in the past, but I've never done anything on ISIS in my entire life. I said, to be honest with you, if you can find anybody in ISIS who's a bit show busy, then maybe we can do it. I said, but at this precise moment in time, I'm not thinking Steve Allen in conversation, talking to a journalist about ISIS because he's been out to the country. And so that was he went, I, I thought that that would be the case. I said, just think showbiz Versailles. OK, that's all, you, that's all you need to think about with this programme. There's nothing more complicated than showbiz and Versailles, because I'm fascinated by both of them, or the pyramids or anything like that, but certainly not ISIS. Thank you very much indeed. So, all in all, it's been a, a fairly traumatic few hours. But at the end of the day, LBC records its, its best figures ever. Now, whether this is a, as a result of Brexit, I've got no idea. It's certainly an opportunity for people to talk about it. And we've sort of touched on it briefly on this programme, like Brexit, and that's it. I don't do anything else because I'm not that sort of presenter. I'm afraid I'm, I'm, what they, I'm what they call lightweight. 
I'm very lightweight presenter. I, I can, I, you know, if, if, an, if something really ghastly happens in London, then I, I can step up to the mark. But the majority of the time, I'm a lightweight presenter. But every, every blasted time we get to these figures, every time I go through this hell, I seriously, I start drinking. I start, well, it doesn't take much to get me to open a bottle of Prosecco. But, I mean, you know, first thing in the morning is a bit ludicrous, I agree. And I sort of think to myself, I don't know, just supposing one year, all of a sudden, the audience vanish. But it doesn't. It seems to get bigger and bigger. I mean, how much bigger can it get? Answer is a lot bigger. Because the more people you tell about it, it doesn't matter. You know, you might love this programme. You might sort of love James O'Brien more. Obviously not. But, you know, or you might like sort of Sheila Fogarty. It doesn't matter. There's something for everybody. And that's the whole idea about it. It's supposed to be radio. More people are tuning into radio now. More people are getting addicted to radio because you can take it with you. You can't take television with you. You can take radio with you. It doesn't matter if you're in the car or you're on holiday or on the beach or, you know, cycling. You've got your little earpieces in. You can listen to LBC. And that's why it works. So, you know, I have to say thank you because, listen, without you as being part of the spike and being part of the audience figures, which are fantastic... I mean, it's it's seriously gone up. I mean, it's it's woo. It's it's very nice, and that's what that's what gives me a contract at LBC. That's where that encourages my boss to say, "Good audience figures," and we have to sit down and we have to go through it in front of everybody, which is always my worst nightmare anyway, just in case one day they've actually gone off, and um, and so they then go, "Oh, you know, Steve's figures," because I'm always the first one at the meetings. Everybody be sitting there. All the, all the presenters go except the people who are on air. And we all sit in this room. All the producers are there, news people, everybody. We all have to sit in this room. And then we have a little chat about the way it's going. And then we get down to the audience figures. Because <laughs> I'm the first one off. Because I start, I don't know why, I start the day. Because it's called early breakfast, which, in, it, which sort of uh, intrudes onto a bit of Nick's uh, breakfast. Because I'm, I'm sort of there as the part-time warm-up. And so far, it seems to be working. But you always worry, just supposing the little... Because they do it in graphs. They do bars. And they have to sit there and look at it. And you think, you know... And you, you can't jump up and down and go, yeah! Get really excited because it makes it look a bit bad. So you have to sort of pretend you're not particularly bothered by it. But secretly, you're really bothered by it. And as long as my boss likes it, and as long as he's happy with what we're doing, I'm happy. Because that's all I'm pleasing. I'm pleasing the boss. If he doesn't like me, if I get a boss in who doesn't like me, then, you know, I'll be wandering off and sort of knitting outside the tumbrils, I think, and waiting for the guillotine to drop. But so far, we're doing all right. So biggest audience, biggest spike we've had for, for ages. And uh, I've got friends in the business who uh, who tell me... And when I said yesterday about, you know, I wonder if, what, what the audience figures will be like, what LBC's audience figures will be like, and a lot of friends of mine in the business were, te- uh, were writing back, like Eddie Mayer, saying, um, it's, it's going to be up. How people know, I've got no idea. I just think people guess. And so, and so that's what it is. So if you've never heard the programme before, it is a bit like this. It's a bit rambly. It's a bit show-busy. It's a little bit, uh, you know, not particularly nice about some people. But there again, they, they invite it. People invite it. You know, if you're one of those people who appears on the... T- there's a picture in, in uh, uh, one of the online companies of Lauren Goodger, poor old soul, leaving a gym uh, trying to avoid the paparazzi. Why the paparazzi would want to take a picture of her, I've got no idea. So you know it's a set-up picture. She's shielding her face. <laughs> Probably very wise, I should imagine. Because she's put on weight. Like, as if anybody is remotely interested in anything that Lauren Goodger does. Who's going to be kicked out of Big Brother? Who gives her stuff? Nobody cares. Nobody cares about these people. You know, it, it could be Grant Bovey, 
who, to be honest with you, just is just a nobody. A total nobody. Ridiculous. And then um, Eamon Holmes has been angling for a bit of an award. He's obviously trying to get something before he passes on to us sitting on his cloud upstairs. But uh, I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. And Sherry Hewson quits live on air. She said, I've gone as far as I, I can with the programme. And so I've, I've written to Colleen Nolan saying, I think your career's gone about as far as it can, really. Uh, 84850, steve at That's the way it works. If you're stupid or you're not particularly intelligent, then I have to cancel you. I have to bin you, uh, which actually gives me... Immense pleasure. I can't tell you how much pleasure I get through through binning somebody and then telling them that age-old Steve Allen line, now you've got no friends at all. And uh, and it's generally sort of, they're just sillies. They're silly people. They've either got a drink problem or there's some, something the matter with them. They've got a few screws loose. And so they obviously write to loads of people because when you sort of check on their thing, and if ever it's just sort of a one-off and it's rude, you, you just know it's the same person and it's probably a woman. Don't know why. We've got this mad woman in Twickenham. I mean, she's mad as a fruit bowl. I mean, she really is completely off her trolley. She should have been sectioned ages ago. But if ever you get them, and luckily I hardly get anything at all, you just go, and they disappear. It's great, I tell you, the power that you have at this time of the morning. Because it's quarter past four and I drove myself in. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Oh, such a bad mood today. Such a bad mood. Sort of kind of eased by the uh, the audience figure. So that's the good news. That is the good news. And as Johnny just said, the first four minutes of the Steve Allen show complaining about his cab shows why he deserves that 4am spike. It's even bigger now. It's even bigger. In fact, they even mentioned it in dispatches. They've said, you know, Steve Allen's spike still there bigger than ever. So uh, thank you very much indeed for that. I'm always very grateful, actually. I think what it does, it kind of guarantees me another contract. And, uh, and that means another year. At least... At least another year. So uh, I can eat. Thank goodness for that. Uh, so anyway, so we're, we're sort of leaving Mark, Mark, the producer, sitting there worrying to heck about what we're going to do this week for In Conversation. I think we should have a best of Steve. I think it should be a treat. You know, one from the... I think we should call it one from the archives. I should record a link that just goes, today's programme is one from the archives. And we can go back years and replay something that we thought was, was really good, or the because I can't gauge them. I seriously, people were tweeting the other day. It's amazing how something that was done a while ago gets retweeted. So I did a, a Piers Morgan interview, which was very good. We get on, we get on really well, actually. Piers knows how to play the game. We, uh, we both play our parts and it, it works brilliantly. And somebody had written in to say uh, what a good interview it was. But then I, I think 90% of my interviews are good. If somebody doesn't like them, I always think, well, grow up and don't, don't listen. Makes perfect sense. I mean, you'd have to be a bit stupid to listen to something you don't like, wouldn't you, really? But that was a very good interview. And uh, Dan says, Croydon's only 15 minutes from central London. If you lived here, you'd never be... I wouldn't live there. I, w- I couldn't go to Croydon. My car would be up on bricks in about five minutes. Of course I couldn't go there. Good Lord. I have been to Croydon. I have been to Croydon. Make, make no mistake, I've, uh, I've, I've driven through with the doors locked and very fast. <laughs> it's not that bad. I played the Fairfield Halls twice. So, I mean, I've got to like something about it. We only played it because it was big. It was a huge venue. And uh, there was a huge backstage area. And actually, Eddie Mayer came to one of my shows down there. A long t- It was a long time ago, as he will tell you. Um, what was I going to tell you this morning? There was something else, actually. I can't remember what it is. Oh, yes, it's... Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. This weekend, really, really busy. Loads of things to do. And, uh, and we'll probably all get very excited today. There'll probably be a cake and champagne or something in the newsroom to celebrate the audience figures. Because you have to celebrate. You seriously have to celebrate. But once you've celebrated, you then have to get back into proper mode. Proper mode for working. And once you've got a mindset... That's why people say, Oh, I'd love to go into radio. I'd love to do radio. 
you know, if you live in New Malden, there's not much hope, really, but at least you can make a little effort to it. And student radio plays its part. Not in this world, but, I mean, another world. And so, you know, no, I, I have nothing against student radio people, honestly. I just don't know any. I know one, I think. I know one person from student radio. He seems OK, but then I've read some of his... Uh, his and he, I think he's turning out to be mad as a fruit, he- fruit bat. Um, but, but always interesting. But then people say, I'd love to be in radio. How do you get into radio? And I said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. But, but there is no hard and fast rule. There is, there is nothing that is the, uh, is the sort of laid down in tablets of stone of how you get a job in radio. I just know that some people can do it. Some people can't do it. And the people who can't do it try desperately to do it, but just, it just doesn't happen. There's just there's something that's not right. I don't know what it is. It's like being television presenters. Some people are very good and very natural at being television presenters. Some people are very good at being doctors. Some people are very good at being nurses. Some people are very good at being on the telephone, like when I was having a rant to the cab company this morning, and I used a rude word, and I said, I'm so off. I said, really, because I've now had to drive in. You know, and you know what car mine is? It's a bit of a gas guzzler. I wasn't so bothered about that. It was just the blooming inconvenience that I was late and I've got things to do. You know, I need to be here by a certain time. But this man was just an idiot. I mean, perhaps there is no vetting system. They go, have you got a driving like, Oh, you're in. And that's it, because I, I really get so fed up. <laughs> oh, dear. Steve, you have listeners in Glasgow. Probably in the south side, though. Uh, it's got to be Julie Andrews from the archive, says John McCabe. It wasn't a long interview, actually, Julie Andrews. I think it was only about a 15-minute interview, mainly because she, she was slightly distracted. That's all I'll tell you. She was stri- One of these days, I'll put it in a book, I think. <laughs> uh, somebody says, don't forget people who listen to you through their iPhones, says Anna. Uh, Steve, says Sue Ann, uh, AM drivers are a nightmare. I won over £100. Lost only 211 It's just, it's so... It's so annoying because it can be so straightforward. You know, somebody turns up early. I mean, the other guy the other day parked way up the road. He said, why would you park up the road? I'm here. He said, well, I didn't have to pick you up till sunset. You think, what, do people sort of sit there and wait till exactly the right time? No, the moment you send the thing going, it's here, you come outside. What do you think I'm going to do? Sit there and make somebody wait? Quite clearly don't know me at all. Uh, Mark in Wakefield, he says, I like to listen to good radio. And that's my show. It is true, actually. It is, it is a very good programme. I mean, I've never heard it. I've often wondered, I used to say years ago, do you know, it's so good this morning, I'd love to rush home and listen to it and see what it's like. But there again, as I said to the Radio Times, I can't listen to myself. It's an odd one, that, isn't it? Because a lot of people are quite vain in radio and they've got voices which you could listen to all the time. I can't listen to myself. I don't want to listen to myself because I'm racing away with the programme. In, in my mind, I'm quite slow. But when I'm doing a programme, because I've got so little time to get everything out, you know, I... Um, I just have to sort of push it forward a little bit. That's why, you know, people say, why don't you take phone calls? Why? Why slow down the programme? I go at such a pace in the morning because I've got so many things to do and so many things to get in. I don't have time for phone calls. It would just hold it up with somebody saying, oh, I love listening to you, which is great. But you can put that in a, in a text or an email. I haven't seen uh, Coach Trip. Um, and so I can't comment on it at all. I've, I've really got no idea. I saw it before when it was on before. I haven't seen it on this one. We've talked to Brendan on the programme. I like the concept. Uh, then they've had a, a celebrity one, which is OK. You know, celebrity one was OK. It wasn't particular. I mean, they couldn't find that many decent celebrities to go on it, but they did find a, a few people. And um, read the cab company. Do they not have a pickup point for you? Yes, of course they They have a postcode. They tell you exactly where it is, and they've got a telephone number. This one was an idiot this morning. I mean, I've had some who are completely barking mad. Seriously. I mean, but th- th- this one this morning, an idiot. Come and find me. 
Come and find me. I'm paying, I'm paying a lot of money for this journey. I'm not sort of, you know, I'm not standing here twiddling my thumbs waiting for you to wake up. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, 84850, uk. Are you performing at the Magic Circle? Um, I don't think so, no. And have we got any tickets left? No, they sold out months ago. Months ago. Always a sellout. Always a sellout, the show. And uh, always very nice, actually. Congratulations, number one, says Michael. He says, uh, with all your cab problems, why don't you contact uh, with a more reliable company who appreciates driving a celebrity? I'm not a celebrity. I'm a radio presenter. I don't do celebrity. I'm a radio presenter. You know, if some people in the uh, in the business choose to call themselves celebrities, that's their, that's their business. But I'm just a radio presenter. Can you imagine a radio presenter who thinks they're actually a celebrity? That's as stupid as Grant Bovey going on a celebrity programme when he's not a celebrity. He's not famous at all. He's a spectacular bankrupt who just happened to be bonking Anthea Turner and then cheated with somebody else. And the way he's going in the Big Brother house, he's just vile. How does that make you a celebrity? It doesn't make you a celebrity. Ridiculous. Andrew and Bob says, still here under the duvet. Uh, well done on the listening figures. Yeah, I mean, it's, listen, how many years have we been through this? How many years? I always remember Angela and Bob, every time it snows, they're in Pratt's Bottom. They always send me, send me a photograph of their garden, which looks like everybody else's when it's covered in snow, but I always laugh at it, because every year I was thinking, that, that's, the, that's the barometer. We were, we were looking at the weather yesterday, and because it's getting a bit chillier, I've, I've decided I think we're in for a, a really bad winter. I just, I mean, I, I really think it's going to be quite, uh, quite snowy. Uh, good to be back on the early shift, says Matthew. Any more debacle with the train doors not opening? No, no, not, not yet, not yet. Ian says, my mum now listens in from Devon. She only started in the last week, so she won't be in the current figures. <laughs> I quite like that idea. And um, uh, somebody says you should start a, a spike pool karaoke to get in. Instead of singing, you could do a live interview on your way in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Imagine how angry I'd be some mornings. Seriously, I mean, I was such a bad mood. And I, but anyway, the, the car performed beautifully this morning. I'm just glad I didn't bump into any traffic on the way in. So I didn't get in here till about quarter past three, which is very annoying because, you know, I, I've got so many things to do. I don't have enough time to faff around with an idiot. I really don't. Uh, Josh in East London, yes, yes. And uh, another one here. This is, uh, there you go. There's somebody now with no friends at all. I just love doing that. It really makes me laugh, actually. We've got a busy weekend. Uh, and this is from, uh, from Robbie. He says, we're heading to London from beautiful but boring Cumbria. Virgin first class. Uh, on the Strand, afternoon tea <coughs> at one Aldwych. And then off to see uh, Roy Ayers. Good God. Didn't even know he's still alive. Roy Ayers is still alive. He's playing at Ronnie Scott's. Blimey, that is a blast from the past, isn't it? I've got some Roy Ayers albums at home, uh, which is good. Uh, congratulations. Uh, on another well-deserved award with a polished mix of engaging presenters and programmes. Are your producers eligible for honours? Certainly not. Producers? Honours? What for? Why would you give them an honour? Listen, they're grateful to be working. Seriously, you can't give them honours. That would spoil them. That would ruin them completely. They'd get ideas above their station. They'd start worrying about, you know, trying to, you know, they go, oh, no. So now we I'd had a producer some years ago, actually, many, many years ago. In fact, it was more years ago than I uh, uh, than I care to uh, remember. And uh, he didn't want to be a producer. Um, And the reason he didn't want to be a producer is he wanted to be a presenter. So he was being a producer filling in, you know, 
whilst he sort of tried to work out how he was going to be a presenter. But, of course, the problem is with LBC, if you see it as a problem, is that we just don't take on presenters like that. It's, you know, because we're, we're very much reliant on audience figures. So the person that you uh, book has got to have some sort of proven track record. And uh, so anyway, so he, he decided that he wanted to be a presenter because he reckoned that if I could do it, just about anybody could do it because it's not difficult to sit here and just talk. I mean, to talk and make sense, of course, is slightly more difficult and to make it entertaining and to produce an audience and at the right price is a little bit more challenging. But that we overcame and he managed to convince the management one, one Christmas to give him a show and it was on Boxing Day. And it was the worst abomination I'd ever heard in my entire life. And I'm not particularly sort of fussy about people on the radio because I always think if you listen, if they've got an interesting voice, then that, that can get you through something. He was awful. He really didn't have the faintest idea of what radio was. He didn't seem to connect with anybody. He thought that if you just sat here like me and sort of slagged a few people off, that was radio. But of course, it's carefully crafted. This is carefully thought out over years and years and years, and you put it all into the into the melange, and you make something of it. He just thought you sort of you came on air and went, Lauren Goodger's fat, and that and that would be a standalone statement. Whereas in fact, you've got to back it up. You've got to tell people why you think she's fat, why you think she's talentless. You know, they've got this poor girl, Marnie Simpson, I think, in the Big Brother house. I mean, she is dumb. I mean, she's sort of stupid and defies everything. How many eggs are in a dozen? <sighs> Well, she didn't have the faintest idea. I mean, that's what you call thick. I mean, that really is embarrassing, isn't it? Somebody who's that dumb. How many eggs are in a dozen? Don't know. They don't think they need to know. It's worrying, isn't it, really? So, you know, she might as well just sleep with somebody in there because that's about as good as it's going to get, dear. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I've now discovered the mute button. I love the mute button. The mute button's just incredibly fantastic because they don't know they've been blocked. It's even more fun. 84850, uk. Dom and Dom says, I'll be standing by tomorrow morning if you could lower yourself uh, for a lift in a, in a focus. Oh, dear. Not sure about that, actually. Long time spiker. Well done on the figures. I know it's quite recent. Jesse Eisenberg could do with a rerun. Uh, yes, Tina. He's, um, he's, a, he's a fan of the programme and of me which is quite nice, because we liked him a lot. We had a really, 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 really nice chat. Uh, As you remember, says Mark, the cab driver of the Magic Circle, could you learn a trick to make the cab drivers better, or is that an impossible trick? Sorry, it's Phil, actually. Uh, I wish I could. I wish I could (laughs) make them vanish, I think. (laughs) Definitely make them vanish. Uh, So Orlando Bloom has taken all his clothes off. Is Orlando Bloom... Who's the one in the Pirates of the Caribbean? That's Who's actually... There's him... Johnny Depp, that's right. It's Johnny Depp who looks like the pirate, isn't it? Who's, whose girlfriend was Amber Head, who turns out to be a lesbian. It's all very confusing, obviously, in Hollywood. They're going mad for it. And they're all sort of saying about Cara Delevingne. She's now elevated herself. Not really, because the, uh, the latest reviews for that uh, film, Suicide Squad, are dire. Absolutely dire. They had the premiere here the other night, which, I mean, might do better, but from America, whew, hated it, hated it. And, of course, all the, uh, all the columnists, one in particular in one of the newspapers, is toadying up to her, obviously hoping to be her best friend, but we know she has a, a slight little problem, doesn't she, really? The fact that she's not really a great actress. She's just a clothes horse, and, uh, and she's had... I mean, I seem to remember a short while ago, she had a little incident when she sort of tripped over a step and a bag of white powder fell out. Now, I mean, I can see going around to people's houses and borrowing talcum powder would be an advantage if you don't want to spend the money on it, if you only need a little bit of talcum powder. Well, then I thought maybe it was ant powder. And then I thought, wait a minute, model, little bag of white powder. How naive are you being, Stephen? How naive are you being? Of course, it's talcum powder. 
Of course, it's talcum powder. What else would it possibly be? You don't think she'd be stupid enough to shove Columbia up her nose, do you? Oh, please, God, not. Heavens above, honestly. That, they, they go, oh, she's the toast of Hollywood. No, she's not. They do talk rubbish. But anyway, Orlando Bloom, and I can't remember if I've talked to him, but here he is on a... Uh, well, he's sort of out with sort of Katy Perry. Actually, it must be a bit of a surprise, because the last person Katy Perry married was Russell Brand, and he's Mr Teeny Tiny in the downstairs department. I mean, really, it's a bit of an embarrassment. I, send, I sent one of those sympathy cards to him. I'm terribly sorry to see your recent loss. And, uh, and Orlando Bloom has obviously got something worth showing, because there's a huge smiley face covering the offending article. Is it funny, even in this day and age... And you've got a programme called Naked, whatever it is, on the television. And we go, oh, it's got willies on it. Willy. <laughs> we sort of do it in, like, hushed tones. We have a little giggle about it, don't we? Oh, it's a willy. <laughs> and so Orlando Blooms has been covered up. I mean, I don't know why. They've just said, blooming awesome. So obviously it's something worth talking about, isn't it? But, why, you know, if he's happy to sort of peddle her up and down, and they, they've got eye-popping eye pictures inside, they're obviously doing a bit on Samantha Fox. Every day as Samantha gets her bits out for the girls. Because uh, I think well, once the boys realised that she was gay, I don't think they were that particularly interested. And, um, and so they're obviously trying to sort of resurrect her career. But of course she doesn't look like this anymore. She's quite old now. I mean, she must be in her... Oh, she must be in her 40s, isn't she? I mean, on Tuesday she performed her biggest song, Touch Me, I Want Your Body. And fans went, what, have you heard it? It's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever read in your entire life. I mean, seriously. And I, and I, and I speak as I find. I speak as I find. I'm very happy for, for James Corden. He's taken a swipe at snooty Brits for preferring posh stars. But to be honest with you, I have no idea what his background is. I don't know if he came from a council estate, a sink estate, who he's brought up by, you know, pterodactyls. I've got no idea. Couldn't care less. I just know that out of all the people that we've sent to America, he has done really well. I mean, the Americans seem to love him. He seems to fit in. They, they like somebody who looks like he fits the stereotype of the American chat show. He's slightly bigger than most. He's not, he's not sort of going, look at me, I'm a great-looking person. He just seems to enjoy himself. He's a cracking little actor. And uh, we had him on In Conversation before he hit in America. But there again, we had um, uh, Jamie Oliver long before he hit. Long before Jamie Oliver became famous. I mean, seriously. Do you know? More pictures inside of Orlando Bloom, showing off his sort of, sort of tackle. You must be fairly impressed with it. I personally wouldn't take my clothes off for love nor money, thank you very much indeed. As we discussed the other day, where somebody sort of seemed to think that there'd be nude pictures of Steve Allen. I think highly unlikely, believe you me. I haven't been on a, ben uh, been on a bench, I haven't been on a beach uh, since I was about 12 so, and even then, uh, I don't think we had a camera. We had a box brownie, so there's going to be no... Any pictures of me half-naked will be in sepia. There won't be anything that's either colour or black and white. There's nothing. In fact, the only picture... It's in Dale Winton's book, and I'm in a, in a disco with my shirt undone. And it's a dreadful picture, but that's, a, that's about as good as it gets. The very idea that people think there could be nude pictures of me, unless somebody's crept in while I'm asleep which I think is highly unlikely. They just don't exist. I mean, certain people, you know, have to keep it covered up. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. So here's the uh, the lottery winners. Very good. I'm very happy. There's one, two, three. There's about five of them. They're all going to get probably about 12 million each. Not bad, is it? 12 million pounds each. And uh, one of them just wants a garage and somebody wants to update their home. But they're not bad homes. One of them is beautiful. Really, is beautiful. So that's that'll be quite nice. Uh, Aubrey up for the chop. Uh, Aubrey, Aubrey's some old tart who's in the the Big Brother house. She's an American, <coughs> excuse me, an American reality star. She's been wrapped 
over a shock stunt being termed Spitgate, <coughs> which is amazing. They say here, she secretly spat in a jam sandwich and a cup of tea before handing it to Stephen Bear. I mean, she's a bit disgusting. Uh, the ex-on-the-beach hunk then ate the sarnie and drank the tea, completely unaware of the stomach-churning content. Singer Aubrey was hauled into the diary room and issued with a final warning. What an old tart. What an old tart. Not particularly attractive, really, really chavvy, and, um, and disgusting with it as well. Geordie Shaw babe, Marnie Simpson, thickest old bag in the world, isn't she, really, uh, is a top ten, ten contender for house dunce. After saying she didn't know how many eggs made a dozen. I mean, can you imagine being that thick? That's really embarrassing. You feel a bit sorry for her that she's that stupid. That stupid and that ugly. Ugly and stupid in the same package is uh, not really a winning combination. Uh, Ronnie Scott's hoping 75-year-old Royer stays alive. He's booked to perform there all next week. Good God, is he really? Seriously? Wow, Royer's at, uh, at Ronnie Scott's, 75. Wow. Orlando Bloom isn't the best actor, so he's probably at that stage where he needs a stunt to boost his profile, says Dean. Well, it's one hell of a stunt. One hell of a stunt. Because nobody's printing the actual picture. So I, I don't know, you know, wh- why they sort of do it. So it's a man with a huge smiley face over his willy. Uh, listening in Sri Lanka, says David. Well done on the uh, on the listening numbers. Yes, it's not bad, is it? It's not bad. We mustn't jump up and down too much because there'll be, there'll be another load of them out in a few months' time. And it might go the other way, mightn't it? You don't know. I've got no idea how this, uh, how this thing works. Uh, Abella's in um, Malta. I don't actually think that uh, Malta features in my audience figures. I have a sneaking feeling you don't. You might get sort of online somewhere, but uh, I don't know. If I can't listen live, I listen to your podcast in the car. So thank you, Tanya, very much indeed. So that's nice. Is Tanya your first name? Is, is Abela your surname? Angela and Bob have sent me a picture of their garden without any snow in it. Oh, it's very nice, isn't it? That's very, oh, it's very posh. Blimey. Have you moved? Has the garden become completely different? Looks lovely, doesn't it? That's very nice. Somebody does their edges well. I like, my mother would be proud of that. She does edges and you've got a nice bit of, uh, nice bit of hedging going on. There's a bird bath. Isn't it funny, bird baths? With a little bit of carefully placed uh, stuff around the bottom. No, it's quite nice. Could fill, fill the beds up with a bit more. You could have some uh, all-year-round fuchsias. They do a, a hardy fuchsia, which is quite nice, but uh, very tidy. Very, very tidy indeed. You're going to need a small table, aren't you, I think, to sort of drink your cup of tea and enjoy. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, as I say, everything we, uh, we weave in on the... I don't miss anything out. I'd, I'll try not to anyway. Uh, somebody's bought a stone glow candle, which you mentioned before. Any other tasteful gift ideas? Do you know, I've got a candle at the moment. It's raspberry. I think it's raspberry. And it just seems to go forever. Seriously, every day I, <clears throat> I light it and it's going for <clears throat> hours and hours. And then the next and you blow it out. And the next day you go back there. I'm sure somebody's filling it up again. Because I'm back where I started again. This thing never disappears. And I'm waiting for it to go so I can get out. I've got a really nice one, which is... Um, it's, um, it's sort of like toffee, like a toffee. Oh, delicious. I mean, it's a sort of candle you think you could eat. You can't, of course, but you, you think that you could, uh, you could eat it. Uh, lots of stories about Pokemon again. So we don't do Pokemon stories on the programme because I don't understand it. There's no point in making yourself look, look uh, embarrassed about it. Uh, Katie Price, here she is, the worst dressed woman in the entire... I've never known anybody so badly dressed. But there again, as most of her life, she keeps her clothes off. Not that that served for any useful purpose, is it, really? And, um, and now those hideous breasts in front of a poor soul the other day. I mean, people were laughing at her. I felt a bit sorry. But, uh, nobody treats her seriously. But she's got no idea about dressing. 
Not a clue. Give her sort of, you know, sort of tassels to put on the end of her nipples and she can probably manage it quite well. But she was out with her husband, Kieran. That's quite funny, isn't it? The fact they're still together. And uh, she laughed, laughed off criticism of her latest surgical enhancement as she hit the party island. She's in uh, Mallorca. God, you must be the oldest person out there, dear. Aren't you and him a little bit ancient for that? Keep him away from the girlies. You know what he's like. You know what he's like. You think he's not going to cheat again? I bet he will. I bet he will. Uh, On the subject uh, last night uh, of uh, In Conversation, uh, Paul says the Tommy uh, Steele story was on last night. Has he been on In Conversation? Yes, he has. He's in the... uh, He's in the uh, the archive, I think. And uh, I'm enjoying the show, says John. I've just watched Celebrity Big Brother and have done to see how Mr Whale gets on. Cringeworthy TV. I think the youngsters in there would agree with me when they come out and watch their behaviour back. Dreadful TV. Dreadful TV. Yes, I mean, I, I think possibly you're, you're, you're going to see him kicked out. I've noticed all the support for him that they've now started. Oh, you know, perhaps he could come out this week. I'm thinking, yeah, just in case he gets uh, kicked out. And uh, Eddie says, I went to Croydon Costco. Oh, there was one on the Pearly Way. There was, uh, I know where it is on the Pearly Way. And that was, this is ages ago. They had uh, an armed robbery there. Oh, God, that was years ago. Years and years ago. I mean, seriously. Seriously, years ago. I remember it vividly. Uh, when I win big on the lottery, I'm telling nobody, says Lynn. That odd million they won, I would send to you, as you've always been there for me during the dark times when I can't sleep. Oh, I'll happily accept it. No, <laughs> I wouldn't want it, seriously. That's why, you know, people say, oh, you know, would you, would you go into the Big Brother house? Do you go, no, why would I want to go into the Big Brother house? I go, well, for money. I go, I don't, I don't need the money. Seriously, it's a very nice position to be in, but I'm not remotely bothered about, you know, exhibiting myself on television. God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Dreadful. And uh, it's not snowing in um, in Kingston. Somebody says, uh, Samantha Fox has it in the bag. Oh, God, no chance. No chance. Absolutely not a cat in hell's chance. No, it'll be Biggins again. Biggins will be the winner, I think. You know, he, he's sort of the one. At least he can have a conversation. She's, she's not brilliant at conversation. And if you really laugh, watch her and Mick Fleetwood presenting uh, from the Royal Albert Hall, which was what they call car crash television. Just type it in. On, uh, on YouTube. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's 13 minutes to five. It's Thursday, the 4th of August. Dan, very kindly, has a, has a house for sale in Croydon. And he sent me a picture. He said, for 365000 he said, I'll throw in the cladding for free. Do you remember when people used to go round? I think they had it in Coronation Street. Stone cladding. That's where people put this ghastly, hideous stuff on the outside of houses. And, of course, it then turned out it was really, really bad because the bricks can't breathe. Basically, what you're doing is you're concreting and you're putting this sort of fake Cotswold stone over the top. You know, so you've got a row of terrace cottages all made out of the same thing. And then there's some buffoon at the end who's put stone cladding on it. I mean, I'm hoping, Dan, this isn't really your house. That would be too embarrassing for words, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm looking at the PVC windows and I'm looking at the net curtains and I'm thinking, seriously, 365,000? Oh, sorry, I do beg your pardon. £3.65 it's on offer for. Well, that's more like it. I mean, we're certainly not going to be getting £365,000. Not in this day and age. God, you can buy a whole street in Liverpool for that. You can buy everything. Chris says producers don't need honours. It's an honour enough to be working with you. Not necessarily. No, believe you me, not. It, it is a job at the end of the day. You know, you just sort of make it. I mean, even if you can't stand them, you have to sit here and look at them for two and a half hours. So you just do that, don't you? Mentally, I always imagine what they look like naked. That kind of keeps the programme marginally more interesting for me. 
Except this morning. Uh, listening in Vancouver. I did that. Somebody said that once. They said, if, if you look at people on the tube and you imagine what they look like with nothing on, you can have a little laugh. Well, all I get is Polish builders on the train. And to be honest with you, once you've seen one person's spirit level, you've seen the blooming lot, haven't you, really? And so I sort of sit there and I'm sort of looking at people. And somebody said, imagine the audience naked. Imagine what, you know, your audience... And I think, I don't think I can do that, really. I don't think I've got that vivid imagination. I've looked at the producer a few times over the past few weeks thinking, I don't know, Speedos? Maybe not. You know, you worry worry about that. He's off to Pride, I believe, which is Saturday, isn't it? Saturday in uh, in Brighton, which is where they've got that new tower thing, which Paul Hollingdale was telling us about the other day. It's called what? I-360. I-360. It can take 200... Imagine being stuck with 200 people if the thing breaks down. Imagine 200 people up there, half of them having breakdowns in front of you. Get me out! Get me out! That... <laughs> I'm not sure. I just sit on the ground actually, but it's a glass floor, so you can you can look down at the same time. It's 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 just like a giant funfair ride. I'm, I quite like the idea actually. Eight four eight five zero. Somebody was talking about the uh, the terror stabbings in Russell Square. I have to tell you that I know Russell Square very well. The park in the middle is a is an absolute hotbed of people hanging around and uh, people drinking and everything else. It's it's literally sort of very near the British Museum and uh, there's a couple of really big hotels there. But uh, so I'm not at all surprised. But we just have to accept these things now, don't we? We accept the fact. You, the, the worst thing is I heard somebody talking to Darren about it, saying. You know, when you see somebody being taken away in a body bag and you're not shocked, you just go, oh, that's somebody in a body bag. You tend not to think about the family or somebody who's been stabbed to death on the streets. I mean, I keep asking this question. Who's walking around with knives? Who's walking around with knives? Ridiculous, isn't it? It I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous and so, so worrying, so worrying. But, you know, it's uh, it's hey ho and we have to get on with things, don't we? I always think, you know, never put yourself in a in a situation. But when you're sort of with people, I look at people all the time. I spend a lot of time looking. If they they look slightly suspect, I just sort of look the other way. Much much easier. Much much easier. So if you have just joined us, it's nice to have your company this morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Ten to five is uh, the time. And as we celebrate uh, record audience figures, and the spike gets ever bigger. We just have to say thank you very much indeed, which is nice. For those people who didn't do as well with their figures, don't worry. Don't worry. You live to fight another day. And uh, somebody says, I'd love to see you do the Sky paper review. What for? What for? I don't need the money. And that's what they're doing it for. You do it, you do it for the money. And so I'm not there. It says, uh, why don't you do it? Your fellow presenter, Ian Dale, does it. Yeah, and he's very good at it. But it just doesn't interest me. I've no interest whatsoever in being on television, doing doing the pay-per-view. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Dean says, have you got a drink nearby? Seem to have a little frog in your throat. I woke up actually thinking I was going to be sick last night. I seriously, I don't know what, I'd, uh, perhaps I'd eaten something. Um, but I did sort of lie there think, oh God, am I going to be sick? You know what it's like when you sort of, you think it's, and you sort of, you're coughing a little bit and you think, oh blimey, definitely not good. I had emergency surgery uh, two weeks ago. And uh, I can't sleep now more than two hours at a time. The major advantage, says Michael, uh, is that I found you. There you go, you see. And this is, somebody said to me this morning, one of our fellow presenters, because we have, there's a whole raft of us in this building in the morning who come in and who are working on air. And sometimes I'm lucky and they listen to me. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the facility to listen to them. Well, I probably do, but I don't know how to operate it, so I'm useless. And because... They're all music-based. They have the opportunity of sort of listening in and sort of finding out what it is. And I did say to uh, one of my friends, Rich, this morning, we were talking about the audience figures. I said, but of course, I said, the reason I've got this spike, I said, is because I'm not playing music. 
I quite like to play music. I was thinking about it some some years ago. I thought I'd like to have a program where you can have a little bit of music. But it would be all my favourites, and it would have to be oldies. It would have to be gold music. You know, I'd like to sort of play, you know, Tears of a Clown by Smokey Robinson or something like that. But the trouble is, because I want to talk all the time, you wouldn't get much of the music played. So when I used to work out in, in Vienna, I used to uh, cut the record short. They used to hate it. They used to say, oh, there's another two minutes, Steve, on that. I'd go, no, 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 give me the microphone back now. I just have this burning urge to talk. And they go, but that's music station, Steve. It's a music station, Steve. And, uh, and I'd say, yeah, but I want to talk. I've got things to talk about. I couldn't, I couldn't bear to work on a music station now. It would drive me mad. You imagine sitting there. And they go, and you can only talk for ten seconds. Would, oh, really? God, blimey, I could talk about ten seconds, talking about what I'd be doing for ten seconds and make it last half an hour. That's what I do. I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't cope with it. So I get slightly frustrated at times. But then, uh, you know, at the same time, it's a great business. So for my friends whose, whose programmes maybe have lost a little time, it doesn't matter, next time round it'll go up again. Because you're not doing anything different. And that's what it is. And people, as I say, I told you at the beginning of the programme how panicky I actually get. Um, I, I really do get panicky over it. I shouldn't do, really, not after all this time. You would think, actually, every year they give me another contract. Somebody's got faith somewhere. And I think what they would actually say is, uh, you know, if ever Steve Allen lost his audience, that would be something the matter with the figures. Because, you know, I've been doing it for so long that I've got, I've got a hardcore base of fans. I've even got people who listen, you'll love this, who don't even like me. <laughs> How funny is that? How simple are they? A few screws loose. Many, many trolls. But I, I think I've got two, two trolls. They can't stand me, but they listen every single day. That's a sign of really being lonely, isn't it? Poor soul, honestly. Uh, Christopher Biggins is the chap for me, and uh, he's smart and unassuming. He's, um, he also uh, doesn't like bullying. He's very personable. He's got a terribly infectious laugh. Seriously, when Biggins laughs, and we've had some sessions, me and Biggins, over the years and with other people, he's fantastic. He's, he's, he's great fun. What you see is what you get. There's no airs and no graces. He's just... Uh, and he knows everybody. He can find... I sometimes think if I'm going into a situation, you know, and people sort of listen to me or, like, over the past couple of years, we've been doing our Make Some Noise uh, for charity and people have bid for afternoon tea with me. And it means that we go out for afternoon tea for a couple of hours and the lovely hotel gives us tea and we raise uh, much-needed funds for charity. And so I quite like that. But I often think at the beginning, I wonder what people's perception is. Of me, I wonder what people think. I know that ninety nine point nine percent of people absolutely adore the program and they love it and they write in all the rest of it. Then occasionally you get uh, you get a numpty, and occasionally you get a sad. One person the other day it was so funny uh, recommended I read the Bible, which was quite sweet actually. So uh, I went out there the other day. I had a flick through it. Well, to be honest with you, there's not many good stories, is there? I mean, I mean the water to wine stuff I was doing years ago at the Magic Circle. Seriously. You know, and all this sort of, you know, hanging around in the uh, in sort of the Garden of Gethsemane and stones rolling away and crucifixions. I mean, it's quite gruesome at times. It really was. So uh, I decided I didn't really want to read the Bible. They said, let God into your life. And I said, but I think he's in already. I think he's actually saying this is your year because it doesn't get any better. I mean, this year it's all kind of happened for me. I don't know why, uh, whether or not it's out of sympathy and people think I'm going to sort of disappear, you know, completely sort of just vanish in a huge puff of smoke. Uh, and so I get the Arkiva Award, then we get the Radio Times Award, as voted for by you, and that's very excited, and then we get record figures. I mean, it's seriously. You know, barring uh, a £61 million lottery win, I'm going to be sick. Uh, really happy for that couple in Monmouthshire. Really, really, really happy for them. I hope they enjoy every penny of it, because it could have been mine. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not bitter. 
all jealous, but I did predict Welsh Wales. I did say Welsh Wales it was going to go to, and it did. And I hope they enjoy it. That's the whole idea. Uh, was that you on the front of the Radio Times? No, no, that was Eddie Mayers on the front of the Radio Times. I'm inside on page three. You can't miss it. And you can also find me online. I think it's radiotimes.com, radiotimes.com. And then you get a picture where they've superimposed people around me. It's a lovely little photo session. Seriously nice little photo session. I think the photos came out quite well. I was a bit surprised because I'm not, I'm not a photogenic sort of person, but then I shouldn't have to be. I'm a radio presenter. Why do I need, uh, you know, to have good, good pictures, as they say? And uh, on top form this morning... Uh, Paul from Nunhead, as cynical as I am, he says it's quite clear what Lauren Goodger's up to. Her agent is fattening her up so she can lose weight in her Christmas Keep Fit video. Of course. Listen, why would anybody be interested in a fat blob like her walking out of a gym in Essex? They're not. She's an old has-been. Nobody's interested. And, of course, she's covering her face. I mean, unless she's had really more of that ridiculous pumping up with the surgery thing where she looks absolutely ludicrous. But uh, you're right, and we're about right on time for the Christmas DVD. So put pictures of people looking fat in a park uh, and then go, oh, look, got a DVD out. I mean, I wouldn't buy anything from Lauren Goodger. Seriously, clothes, makeup, nothing, nothing. She doesn't design, she can't. It's like, you know, they put Gemma Collins on the television the other day. I mean, God, what an embarrassment. I mean, seriously, you just felt immensely sorry for her. And there's a family as well. That's a fact. Not, not that she's got a family. I don't think anybody's really interested. I think all they do is they just want to sleep with the fat bird, and so she finds people who are coming out of prison. And that's it. You know, she can't find anybody else, and she's got a vile temper on and a vile mouth. Really, not, uh, not, not pleasant at all. But, I mean, I think you're quite cynical, Paul, that uh, her agent's fattening her up. I don't think she needs fattening up. She's fat already, darling. It's as simple as that. I will tell you about Sherry Hewson, who, um, who quit live on air, says, I've kind of said everything there is. Which is a bit like me coming on air and saying, I'm sorry, I can't think of anything to talk about this morning. I'm terribly sorry, I've got nothing to talk about. The Steve Allen programme has left the building. I mean, how can you say I've said everything that there is? Uh, I mean, there, there isn't. There's always, every single day, there is something different. I can now spin ten minutes out of somebody saying I've got nothing to talk about. Easily. It's like somebody said to me, I remember years ago when this, this programme first started, and we used to rely on letters coming in because we didn't have computers, we didn't have mobile phones, so I used to rely on letters coming in. And if, if not enough letters came in, I made them up. And I would read out, you know, Mary from, from Whitechapel has written in, and then people who write in the next week going, oh, you know you mentioned Mary from Whitechapel, I think I know her, you, think you can't do, she's a figment of my imagination. Then gradually the letters got more and more and more and more, and so it went on. So there was always something to talk about. And then I discovered the newspapers, they got me a set of papers. I could do three hours just on the newspapers. I can get through an hour on this programme, we're heading towards the news at five, and I haven't even touched the newspapers so, in fact, I can get to probably about, I reckon, six o'clock this morning without actually going inside the newspapers. And then I've only got to do half an hour. And then we do the free podcast. But that comes from a different different department. Dave's got to get all the things out. It's complicated and staple it together and decide whether we want to talk about this one. Sometimes I just throw them away. I'm just a bit like that. But, uh, no, I mean, so we, we've done an hour. Basically, we've said thank you to you for listening. And we haven't even got around to the papers. But I will tell you about uh, Sherry. I mean, if she really thinks that she's dried up I'm sure she is in certain departments. But after all these years, you know, then she's sadly mistaken. Because I think she's got loads to talk about. And I think she should stay. It's as simple as that. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, everybody. Never enough hours in the day, aren't there? So I sort of rush out to get me a cup of coffee. It's at the time when everybody descends on the kitchen. But uh, nevertheless, nice to have you company. Welcome along to a very chilly morning, actually, here in London town. I don't know what it's like where you are, but it's definitely a bit chilly round here. Being Thursday, the 4th of August, uh, the mum who felt lucky uh, beating cancer says to her daughter, go out and buy a ticket. She went, I'm not going out, it's raining. Go and buy a ticket. I'm not going out, it's raining. Go and buy a ticket. So she goes out, buys a ticket, and they win 61.1 million. So happy. Uh, Southern Rail commuters face walkouts. Uh, The not-so-superfoods. You know the things that they say to you, this is really good for you. Turns out they're not really. Uh, Women are the worst trolls, says the BBC star. And Eamon Holmes makes a complete count of himself on the television. It's always sort of... He always sort of pleads ignorance afterwards, but you know he's doing it because he's an attention seeker. And you can't... You know, that's what what the business is. You can't do anything about that. And he sort of pretends, I don't know what I'm talking about. But, of course, he knows exactly... Uh, what's going on. Uh, 84850-stevenldc.co.uk. So the other day, Sherry Hewson quits Loose Women, saying, I've kind of said everything there is. Her shock announcement after 14 years uh, shook her fellow panellists. Wiping away a tear, Mira columnist Colleen Nolan explained, now or in the future, there'll never be another Sherry Hewson. I know. Now, come on, Colleen, do the decent thing. Now, now you follow suit. You're, you're going to quit the show as well. Come on. Explaining her decision... Uh, Sherry says, I'm leaving so somebody else can sit on this seat and tell their stories. But I have to say, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, uh, I'll be back. Telling how loose women had buoyed her up in dark times. She says, the girls have got me through everything. She's 65. Let's all talk about girls on the programme. That's why it's called Loose Women. It's not called Loose Girls, is it? They're a completely different programme. And uh, she says, I was in a very stressed condition. My husband had gone. I was wearing a wig, blah, 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 blah. And uh, then I was declared bankrupt. Uh, Loose Women is one of those important shows on television. Uh, Andrea McLean said tearfully, you were so brilliant when my marriage was ending. <laughs> For about the second time, I believe. It's so funny. that We have to share the ups and downs. You know, we even had to share the ghastly Nolans going on tour. But uh, apparently, Sally Shelford says she'll always be in the Loose Women family. Oh, in God's name does that, mate. They're not going to turn up at her house, are they? Oh, dear. I bet there'll be flowers on her last day. It's going to be September the 5th. But uh, it's always interesting, isn't it, when sort of somebody leaves after that amount of time. I mean, it's OK. It's not such a big deal because she wasn't exactly on there every single day. Uh, the Lotto Mum is in all the papers today, 61 million. Although, actually, the daughter bought the winning ticket. I don't know if the daughter... Was it a lucky dip? Was it, it was a lucky dip, was it? Oh, right. I do lucky dips. <sighs> Fat lot of good that is. But I don't really care. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it to give to charity. I'm not doing it to win. I'm doing it to give to charity. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne apparently is a sex addict. God, who on earth would want to have sex with Ozzy Osbourne? I don't want to be rude about it. He's hardly, you know, Orlando Bloom, is he? You can only imagine, oh, Sharon! You know, ghastly, isn't it? He says, I've cheated with a lot of women. And so he's now in therapy. God, you know, I actually feel quite queasy just reading things like that. And um, what was this? Oh, yes, Kelly Maloney. Oh, I thought we'd know the last of Kelly Maloney, but no. She's back. She's written a six-part sitcom about life for a transgender woman in a small town. God, it sounds ultimately boring, doesn't it? I mean, that's the sort of... I mean, who's going to be interested in watching that? Nobody. Nobody. The boxing promoter is meeting TV bosses this week to discuss starting production on Village Strife. It focuses on, riveting story here, Lily Muir, whose adopted son comes back to find her in the Lancashire town after transitioning into a woman. Oh, God, I know. It's like Last of the Summer Wine, but with drag thrown in. It's a, something similar, isn't it? Something similar. In fact, somebody says it is a cross between Mrs Brown's Boys and Last of the Summer Wine. They said, there's been a lot of interest in it, and now Kelly's hoping to secure a, com- a commission. 
I love the way she's sort of going in there to discuss starting production. Nobody's commissioned it. They're not going to commission something like... Who's get, they're not going to be interested. Seriously, it's just... It sounds ultimately dull and boring. It's like sort of the only gay in the village. You know, having a programme about that. That'd be boring as well, wouldn't it, really? Oh, I don't know, actually. In Towie, there is only the gay in the village. The only gay is Bobby Cole Norris. And he's just about as gay as they come, really. In fact, it's almost embarrassing. I'm not at all surprised he doesn't have any friends. His only friends appear to be the people on the show, which shows what a sad existence he's undergoing. Uh, Kelly has a, a love interest in the plot. She's joked she needed to give herself a bit of romance. Yes, you remember, of course, she went on celebrity dinner dates. Again, another delusional one. And uh, the bloke on it went, oh, right. He decided, having seen her, they didn't want to go on a date. They, they had the dinner, but he said, you're not to show this, this programme. So they, they binned it. You know, nobody was really interested. I mean, you know, he's a 62-year-old former boxing promoter. You know, and I'm sure it's all very happy and all very la da and all very wonderful. But it's not going to go into a, a programme on the television. Village Strife. Village Strife. And so she wants a bit of romance. I don't know. Do you think 62's a bit past it for a bit of romance? I don't know. I think. Uh, Steve, why don't you ask Mr Ferrari if we could get a job on Sky on his panel show called Pledge? No, I say, I don't know why. Why do people think that there is this transition that occurs between working on radio and then going to work on television? Is it sort of every radio presenter goes, oh, I'd love to be on television? Because, you know, in this building, there are sickeningly good-looking people. I don't want to mention them because they know who they are. I mean, some of them are really sickeningly good-looking. I mean, I just look like some old man who's walked out of a home. Seriously, I mean, I've started shuffling. You know, and carrying my little colostomy bag and things like that. You know, and you get to that stage where you see them looking at you thinking, poor soul, honestly. But at least he's got an Arkiva award and he's got huge figures, so that's all that matters. So I can get away with it. But I just don't see why people want to do a bit of radio and then they go, I'm going to do a television show at the same time. Whereas, in fact, you know, television can be your downfall because people see you and effectively, once you've been on television, you can't really do anything about it. So, in other words, if you sort of fall prey to some of the drugs and the drink and the boozing and stuff like that, you can literally, effectively wipe your career out overnight. You have no privacy at all because people go, oh, that's that person. I remember seeing somebody years ago, a very famous person uh, in Richmond, and uh, they, they were well worse for wear. Two very famous people from television news, really, really, you know, very, very well known. And they were in the gutter. One was on his hands and knees, crawling on the gutter. They were so drunk. And, of course, I mean, I saw them. I went, oh, that's so-and-so and so-and-so. And I thought, had I known, I could have taken a picture. But, of course, I didn't have a phone because phones weren't around in those days. But uh, then, um, then all of a sudden phones come out. And that's why people get pictures taken all, all over the place. You know, because people like to catch up. And the, and the, the quality of the pictures is phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. It's it really is. I mean, absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely amazed at the uh, the quality that you get now. I mean, it really is absolutely amazing. Uh, Jack and Vera Duckworth had uh, cladding in Corrie. Says I know, I know, but without realising just how dreadful it was, just how really bad it looked. Uh, Darren in Perth says, "Do your record figures include international listeners? No, no, you don't." Uh, you don't feature in figures. I know, does it feature in digital? I don't think so, actually. I don't think so. So, no, it's just, uh, it's just here, which is, uh, which is great for us, but, of course, bad, bad really for you. Samantha Fox is 50. That's her age, not her boob size, says Ian. I know, but she's, I mean, she, people say, oh, she's big in Japan. No, she's not really, not really. But uh, at least she's made an effort to go in there, but she obviously needs the money. 
Uh, and the other girl, who apparently is a millionaire through doing porn, I don't believe she's a millionaire at all. These, these sort of people generally hype things up. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm always fascinated by what they say. I'm always interested. And they go in there and you think, you know, it's like when sort of Grant Bovey went in there. Everybody knows what a failure he is, you know, as his company went under for £50 million. That's called spectacular, spectacular failure. Uh, what have we got here? Uh, Grandad's stolen war medal back with his family after 46 years. And America's shot talent. A contestant hit by a flaming crossbow bolt as the TV stunt misfires in front of Simon Cowell. He says, why are we judging this act? You need to go to hospital. I'm serious. Well, you put circus acts on there, Simon. That's your problem, isn't it? You know, if you didn't have to trawl East European circuses to try and find people. And that's all they actually do now. They just trawl them on there. So you've got America's Got Talent. And, um, and they're, just, they're just not very good, some of these people. And if, of course, there's a fatality, that's the bit that people seem to like. I don't know why. No idea why. It's, it's just... Oh, look, here's somebody from Emmerdale, Gemma Atkinson again. She's decided to strip off, and uh, it's a message for women to be proud of their bodies. Just a show-off, aren't you, really, dear? That's all it is. I mean, to be honest with you, the sooner you're out of Emmerdale, the better, because you're holding it back. It wasn't the same since Annie Sugden, you know, left the kitchen table. And now you taking your clothes off and going, be proud of your body. Why are you covering everything up then? If you're proud of your... Obviously, you're not proud of your body. Obviously, you're lying through your teeth. Because she's covering her boobs with her hands. So, in other words, you know it's cheap titillation. And she's got one leg coquettishly moved in in front to sort of protect the the innocent, as they say. So, you're not nude at all. You're just sort of covering up. You want to go nude, darling? Go nude. Don't be all shy and just do it because you're a show-off. I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? Makes you look very embarrassed, very embarrassed. I was going to read my stars today. I wonder if Russell Grant has predicted anything fantastic. And uh, he says, avoid rushing by planning ahead. Think twice about buying used machinery. Used Why would I be buying used machinery? Anyway, he says here, keep stairs and passageways free from clutter and use prescribed safety gear where necessary. What does he think I'm up to? Goodness, Sony knows, Russell. What's going on? I've never been out and bought machinery. I've got one of those Karcher window vacuum cleaners, which is very good. So you, you, you clean the window with this stuff, which is very good, actually. Very, very good. And you mix it up in the body and then sort of rub it over. And then the vacuum cleaner hoovers it up and it makes your windows really shiny. Really, really shiny. Really good, actually. Very good. I was, I was even more impressed than I thought I was going to be with it. Uh, the Daily Star, uh, Big Brother star for Axe in Spit spat. Can't believe somebody would actually spit onto somebody's food. Disgusting old trollop. Uh, My family scooped 61 million. Really, really pleased. And Orlando Bloom gets the jewels out, but uh, the papers decide they're not going to show you them. I don't know why. Like we've never seen one before. Goodness sake. Uh, Gore Blimey. James Corden taking a swipe at snooty Brits for preparing uh, preferring posh stars. I don't. Rougher the better. Rougher the better. Why does somebody have to be sort of posh to get, I suppose because it's that Benedict Cumberbatch kind of thing, isn't it? People like the public school people. They like, you know, preppy boys and things like that. People have been to Eton. I suppose that's why people like Spencer Matthews. But, I mean, he is a bit of a plank, isn't he? I mean, there's no doubt about it. He is possibly the dumbest person you've ever seen on television. But the girl he's like going out with him. I suppose because he's bedded most of the cast of Made in Chelsea. He's obviously working his way through the county. <coughs> Excuse me. I told you I got this blooming cough this morning. And uh, why don't uh, LBC count international listeners? Oh, it would take forever. It would take forever. Um, I don't know why it doesn't count. Because we're, we're not an international radio station. You can pick us up. But uh, we're... Uh, yeah, there's a... Sorry? There's a, what? 
It's a paper survey. It's a paper survey. So we'd have to post it to you going, which, which radio station do you listen to? And uh, to be honest with you, having seen the figures, I mean, it's very nice that we've got you, but uh, we've done really well without you, as it were. So that's good, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. And with Nick Ferrari at breakfast, Bank of England set to cut rates as survey flags the sharpest UK downturn since 2009. What would it mean for the economy, for small and medium-sized businesses, and for savers who are looking to buy a property? As UKIP leadership favourite, Stephen Wolfe is ruled out of the race due to late application. Nick will be speaking to UKIP MEP Jane Collins and ask who she thinks could replace Nigel Farage. And as executive director of Saatchi and Saatchi resigns following a gender diversity row, Nick wants to ask, why can't you say silly things without being publicly shamed? All of that and more with Nick Ferrari. From seven, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, George Pascoe Watson, former political editor of The Sun, now a partner at Portland Communication Agency, will be in the studio, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> looking at the papers for this morning. Uh, what have we got here? Um, pum, 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 pum. Oh, there's somebody in. Oh, no, it's in Loughton in Essex. It's a flasher in Loughton, of all the places to find a flasher. You know, it's like almost as uh, as obscure as finding somebody flashing in the Cairngorms. But uh, he's dressed in a football kit. He wore a, a white shirt with gold stripes, dropped his shorts in front of passengers in Loughton. Shouldn't be too difficult to find it. Somebody's obviously got a, a fetish about football uniforms. In fact, I can think of quite a few people, actually. Uh, Ian says, Russell Grant must be scared that you're about to go abseiling with a coffee vending machine. And no helmet. <laughs> I quite like the idea of going abs. I wouldn't go abseiling, as you know, because I'm I'm absolutely terrified of uh, of heights. So it just it just wouldn't work at all for me. And uh, Perdita, just wanted to congratulate you on the audience figures. Glad to be one of the newbies. Yes, it's nice to be a newbie. I think newbies should be around for ages. It's you know sometimes they get. Uh, letters and emails from people going, you know, I've listened to the programme for the first time and I'm, I'm hooked on it within a very short space of time. So I, I quite like that. I don't mind people being newbies. Perhaps we should have badges made. I'm a newbie to the Steve Allen show on LBC because we used to have badges years ago and uh, we, we got rid of hundreds of them, hundreds of thousands of badges everywhere, which were lovely when we used to do the, uh, the live shows. But still, there's the, the still talk about another live show could be coming back, but I've, I've had nothing confirmed, so I don't get too excited. It's, uh, it's not happening at the moment or any time soon, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that something might happen. That'd be at the moment, they're all sort of going to be very excited about the audience figures, because I, uh, I think they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, the, the kid genius on the television, they're not giving you her surname, but they've got a picture of the mother and the father, like they're not identifiable at all. And uh, they're, they're calling her a pushy mum, She's now been accused of swindling her daughter's way to winning the title of Britain's top child genius. Ten-year-old uh, Rhea, whose last name has not been revealed. Well, I mean, surely everybody at school knows who she is. It's not going to be difficult, is it? Uh, was crowned child genius on Tuesday night. Trolls ripped into her mother, Sonal, for controversially challenging the answer to a question about Nurse Florence Nightingale. One viewer fumed on Twitter. Rhea's mum is mental. It's a game. This is not going to define her life child genius. Another stormed well done Rhea's mum. Swindled your daughter the final. Your life's work is complete. Hashtag vile. They're really peculiar these people aren't they? They're really, they're, if anybody's got mental illnesses it's these people. Why would you write to somebody you don't even know? That's what always amazes me about the stupid trolls you know about the sickos. The sort of people who write to people whose child has just been killed or taken a drugs overdose or something like that and they write to them and you think you know when, when you're found and hauled in front. The last one was sent to prison for four years. So that was that was very good news here. I mean, you know, this this kid, so she's clever. 
and her mum challenged one of the questions, and she was right to challenge the question. There's no reason for, for trolls to get involved. They really are. They're sad, lonely people, aren't they? They've got no life, no existence. They're jealous of everybody. They're, you know, anybody who's got more than them, anybody who's sort of achieved a bit of notoriety. You know, that's the sort of thing it is. Um, and and uh, it does count to some international companies, says Matt, may like to advertise with you. Uh, I don't think so, no. No, why, why would international companies like to advertise with us? And that doesn't come under us at all. That comes from a, another department here in the building, 300 people doing that. I don't think they're going to be thinking about doing advertising in Perth anytime soon. You know, a car hire company in Brisbane is not going to be happening anytime soon. So, so that's why. And also, you know, I don't think international companies... I mean, there might be something that we sell that you can buy abroad. If it's a car, then you can probably buy it abroad at the same time. But not international companies. And uh, so, and we don't need to worry, actually, Matt. Why would we need to worry? Record figures, best figures of all time in 46 years, best figures. I mean, that's how, that's how good it is. It doesn't get any better than that. And that's without advertising. Foreign things, international things. Uh, Ocean Peach, the hottest fashions for pool fun. And uh, they've got a load of people uh, from all sorts of places. Somebody from Wigan, poor soul. And uh, a dental nurse from Glasgow. But I'm not allowed to say core. I bet all the men are thinking, I'd love you to be my dental nurse. Because that gets people into trouble. You're not allowed to say that, are you? In case the dental nurse gets offended by a compliment. Very embarrassing, isn't it, really? Uh, other stories. Well, apart from the uh, that stabbing in Russell Square. I know the area very well indeed. The woman who was stabbed and died was 60. 60. I thought it was a young person to start with, but not. Uh, also, uh, Britain's telling of terror. The miracle of Flight 521. It landed in Dubai on fire. But they managed to get people out. Unfortunately, one of the firefighters died as a result. It crash-landed at Dubai. Well, I thought it was one of the safest airports ever. And uh, it was an Emirates plane. It was carrying 24 Brits. There were 300 people on there. 24 of them were, were Brits, but they all got out alive. Thank goodness for that. Uh, the Sun newspaper this morning. A million immigrants here illegally. Probably working in that burger joint, I should imagine. Let's hope they can find some more to get rid of. Of course, people would be complaining about that because they don't understand the word illegal. They don't know. They, they just think that means that they're sort of fleeing from persecution. I don't think so in many cases. I think they're just here to sponge. I think there's a lot of that going on. Uh, Eamon Holmes always likes to get himself in the paper because he's like that. He does double entendre. He's a bit of a dirty man, actually. A bit of a dirty man. He shocked viewers when he appeared to call Kate Moss's boyfriend the C-word. He was trying to spot Count Nikolai von Bismarck in a holiday snap on this morning. Supermodel Kate was posing between two men. In his thick Northern Irish accent, Eamon said, the one on the right to me looks the Count. He just has that look about him. Ryland burst into giggles, of course, but he would do. And um, apparently Eamon blamed his accent. But then people took to Twitter to sort of lambast him. Poor old son. I don't know why he's wearing this sort of... He's, he started wearing this sort of what he calls his summer suit. It's sort of like a beige settee. In fact, about the size of a settee. And uh, it's, it's not flattering. It's not flattering. He needs to wear darker, definitely. Uh, a show source says Eamon was clearly referring to Nikolai's title. He was calling him a count. It was a simple dialect misunderstanding. Not really, actually. It was just Eamon being a bit silly and thinking that he's controversial and funny and witty. Which, of course, he isn't. <laughs> Which, of course, he isn't. Uh, the million... Pa- oh, I've just realised. The family got the 61 million. The family home is worth a million. Have you seen it? The family home's gorgeous. I mean, it really is absolutely stunning. It's all gables and it's near ross on Wye. It's lovely. It's absolutely wonderful. However, they're in the Gwent Triangle, which means that they're in an area where there have been a lot of previous winners. 
Uh, so they got 61 million. Uh, Joanne Gilbert uh, in April got 1.4. Susan Wall, 2.4. A retired miner and, uh, and his uh, partner shared 11.6 million. Uh, a syndicate from the local paper shared 4 million, million. And uh, Les Scolding with his wife Samantha picked up 45 million. And then uh, somebody else, Jenny Southall, won 8.3 million. All within this, this Bermuda Triangle kind of thing, which is, uh, which is good. Which is good, isn't it? That's All of a sudden, the house prices go up, but they've got a million-pound house already. So, I mean, to have an extra 61 million probably doesn't make uh, any difference at all. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, and uh, everything woven in on the programme. Why? Because we love you. And this morning, we love you more than ever before. Uh, cream always comes to the top, says CJ. You're quite right. LBC has done very well indeed, and the spike is still... Still there, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for making it an even bigger spike than it was last time around. So, very happy with that. Very happy with that. Uh, Ozzy's heartfelt confession, silly old has-been, Ozzy Osbourne is having therapy for sex addiction. Apparently, he's admitted cheating with numerous women. Um, he temporarily split from Sharon and emerged... He had a four-year affair with his hairdresser. Hairdresser? Ozzy Osbourne? What does she do for him? Oh, probably colours it, I should imagine. But in a statement, Ozzy's spokesman said, Over the last six years, Ozzy Osbourne has been dealing with a sex addiction. He's sorry if Miss Pugh took their sexual relationship out of context. He'd like to apologise to the other women he's had sexual relationships with. The only person who looks silly in all of this is Sharon. She's the only one who's emerging as the one with egg on face. Because she just thought it was a lot. Unless, of course, she knew. But I don't think she did know, did she? I think that's the whole idea, and he's sort of he's been um, sort of having one of those have it away days, but with lots and lots of different people. I mean, to be honest with you, they must be fairly desperate, mustn't they? I mean, you've only got to watch him shuffling around the house when we used to watch the Osbournes, and that was that was years ago. He was shuffling around the house. I mean, I should imagine now he must almost be wheelchair bound. He's certainly fairly ancient, and he's he's getting bedroom action. Good lord above, honestly. Hope for all of us. Hope for all of us. I hope. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it, really? And. Um, uh, Keith is in Margate. Well, somebody's got to be, haven't they? And uh, the Hawaiian shirts, Tommy Bahamas. If only they'd open a shop over here, it'd make life so much easier. And uh, another one here. This is um, people talking about handbags at dawn in between Donald Trump and, uh, and Hillary. What's her face? And apparently the, the kids get on. I think Ivanka gets on very well with Chelsea Clinton. Somebody's got to, haven't they? Let's face it. And, uh, and more pictures of uh, Mr Cameron on the beach. They call him Chubby Hubby. And they say for a woman her age, she looks very, very good indeed. And they've got his, uh, his sort of trunks on there. I think he looks all right. Why do people... Honestly, this is a very good reason why I would never appear on a television programme where it involved taking your shirt off. Absolutely not a cat in hell's mind. If they pick on David Cameron, there'd be no hope for me. <clears throat> no hope. Uh, another one here. This, oh, the iPhone. Mine fell in the toilet one time. You know, it's quite normal for phones to fall in the toilet. And I tried to dry it out, and they say put it in rice. Well, I didn't have any rice. I didn't have any rice at all. So you have to kind of leave it to one side, don't you? And uh, and then you sort of just wait, and then they say it comes back to life. Mine didn't come back to life, so I just uh, went and got another phone. So much easier. Uh, the bizarre column today, it's a bit sad, really, for poor Will Young. He's dumped um, by his record label. They've obviously decided that there is no hope for William. I wondered why he was doing a cookery programme on the television. I thought that would have to be because the uh, musical careers dried up. And so perhaps he could put himself out and be a, be a personality on reality shows. But once they've done... I mean, I think actually it's somebody like Kerry Coke Toner. I think she's done most of them, hasn't she? I think she's done most of these things. And, um, and so I feel a bit sorry for Will Young. 
But, uh, you know, we're a big, big fan of him. But they're also joking about him joining Strictly Come Dancing. So he's done cookery. Now he'll do the dancing programme. What are they going to refer to him as? I mean, what, you know, he, he won, was it the Extra Factor or whatever it is he did win years ago? I can't remember. Over Gareth Gates. Pop Idol, was it? Pop Idol. See, I, even I can't remember now. So Gareth Gates was the loser. I always remember Gareth Gates' uh, audition when they went, uh, like, what, what's your name? And it went like that. It, was, it took ages to get the name out. And yet when he sang, he had no problems whatsoever. And I've interviewed him on, a, on about two occasions, actually. And he's definitely getting better. He has a speech therapist who goes with him and who's, uh, who helps him through it. But uh, Will Young with no record deal. I don't know. Is he doing stuff that's a bit too avant-garde? Who knows? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to uh, 6. Weather, not as windy as yesterday. Slightly fresher, though. Temperature's about 19 to 22, which is 66 to 73 uh, Fahrenheit. There could be some uh, showers this afternoon over Scotland, Ireland, Northern England and Wales. And that'll then spread to central and eastern England. So uh, we might get some sort of sunshine. Incidentally, if you're around the Russell Square area, then you will notice an increased Police presence. It's always been a bit bad round there. I remember I had a producer years ago and uh, she was nearly mugged at a cash point in Russell Square. And it has been. Uh, it was a particularly bad area a few, uh, few years ago. It seemed to be an area for sort of the down and outs and drunks in the park. Now I think they closed the park at night. I'm, I can't, I'm not sure if that's exactly true, but they, they certainly did close it for a little while. But it just seems to attract the wrong sort of people. Uh, in this particular case, there's a woman in her 60s and uh, five. she died. Five other people injured this knife attack and as a teenager being held at the moment under armed guard in hospital. And there'll be more updates as we go through the day on LBC. Uh, it is nice to have you company this morning. You, uh, you wake up as LBC celebrates record figures. I say not that we mentioned it on the programme at all this morning, uh, blowing our own trumpet. Because it's quite nice, isn't it? It must, you know, it's nice, nice feeling for everybody to think that, you know, everybody works very hard and, uh, and then you reap the benefits. I, was, I get panicky, though, every single time. Seriously, every single time. It's awful. Uh, are you an asthma sufferer? The reason I ask is because they appear to have found a bit of a, a, bit of a cure for it. If you suffer from asthma and you've got one of those <laughs> Ventolin inhalers, uh, then they reckon here, if you want to thwart asthma, you need to eat good bacteria. Baked beans, yoghurt and bananas, apparently, could help ease the, uh, the problem that you have with asthma. Now, I've never suffered with, uh, with asthma, but I can well imagine just how bad it must be for people. But apparently baked beans... What was it the other day? We were only telling you the other day, weren't we? That, um, that, in fact, nobody was eating beans. Everybody started cutting back on beans. And you think, why? Why? I love beans. They're fairly, fairly cheap. There's, there's nothing sort of too much with them at all. Um, and they're this uh, in tomato, and people seem to like that kind of thing. And now we know that it's good. Well, that's what they tell us. They say it's actually good for people who suffer from asthma. And you think asthma, and then you think, well, that's that's a very good idea. I like the idea that the Harry Potter book is selling, outselling everything. I think it's been the biggest seller. They've sold so many of them. I think six hundred eighty thousand copies at twenty pounds each. You do the maths. That's an awful lot of books. When you look at some of the. Uh, books that are on sale now, the biographies of third-rate reality stars, you know, some of them barely sell a 1,000 copies. Seriously, I mean, it'd be easy if they actually bought them themselves and stuck them in the garage. Then you could kind of pretend that you were you were actually a little bit more, more popular than you were. Sleeping troubles can lead to a, a stroke, and uh, you have to change your lifestyle. If you want to sort of, you know, de-stress yourself and all other things, you need to make sure that you've, uh, that you've sort of got this... 
in hand. There are certain things that you need to do and uh, all the information contained within the papers. I do have the list. There is a list somewhere of foods that over the years we've been told are really brilliant for us and now they're saying not so superfoods. And I worry about things like this because uh, some of them I've heard of, some of them, um, some of them I've not really bothered with at all. But here they go. These are things. Wheat grass juice shots. Wheat grass juice shots. Uh, the claim is that it floods the tissues with life-giving oxygen. The verdict from the experts is it's a whole shot of nonsense. So don't bother. Uh, baobab powder. They claim it boosts energy and immunity. The verdict, nothing you can't get elsewhere. Blueberries. Now, we're always told that they're really good. Cut the risk of heart disease. The verdict from the experts is no better than many other berries. This is knocking everybody out of the water, isn't it? Goji berries. You remember we had goji berries. I didn't even know what they were. And so we started talking about them on LBC. And they're apparently supposed to boost immunity, pep up your libido, and protect against heart disease and cancer. The verdict from the experts, they're just a berry. Kale cuts the risk of cancer, particularly in the gut and the lungs. Uh, the verdict is... Brussels sprouts are better. What have I been telling you for years? Beetroot juice lowers blood pressure and revs up metabolism. Verdict, good stuff. Just don't overdo it. As I've always said, always in, in moderation. Dark chocolate. Chemicals in cocoa beans regulate blood pressure. Verdict, fine occasionally, but no health reason to gorge. What is this stuff called? Quinoa. Is it quinoa? Is that right? Uh, helps with weight loss and cuts cholesterol. Verdict, eat it if you like, but not for health benefits. Coconut water. I love coconut water. What have they said here? Nature's sports drink. It rehydrates you quickly. Uh, the verdict, no better than water. No better. So I'm a bit disappointed, actually, because I've got a load of coconut water in the fridge. I love it. I love it. And uh, I'm glad that they like the beetroot juice, but not, not too much of it. Not too much of it. Uh, Eamon Holmes... Uh, responding to viewers' complaints about honours for sportsmen, politicians and TV presenters, says, unfortunately, not all TV presenters. Eamon's gagging for a gong, obviously. He opines piously, I think if anybody is recognised by their country, it's an amazing tribute. Indeed so, but doesn't his Sky News colleague, Dame Kay Burley, have precedence? Oh, absolutely. I mean, why would you give something to somebody who just reads autocue? What's the point of that? What would be the point of that? For, as somebody pointed out the other day... Um, Somebody pointed out the other day, they said, you know, why would you, why would you, I forgot where I was going with that story, I just completely forgot what it was. <laughs> oh dear, it doesn't matter, anyway. And so, it's, it's just somebody doing their job. They were complaining that, you know, actors and actresses, people like that, get gongs. And, and then sort of say, oh yes, I'm, I'm sort of, I, I think I deserve it. And you think, but what for? You're getting paid for it. Why do you need a gong for being, you know, it's nice to get, but I just don't, don't quite understand what it is. I don't understand some women, says Sally. I'm 59, and at my age, the last thing I want to see is a naked, wrinkly man. Not to mention one who has a sex addiction. I love the way that the computer has taken out the word sex. We're not allowed, because the, the computer has, I forget how many words in it that it takes out. And if, if, it, if it comes up with a rude word, it just obliterates them completely. And um, other one here, fairly new listener, says Dean. When you say fairly new, are you just recently born or something like that, or you've never heard a radio before? I heard a woman the other day speaking to Tom Swarbrick, and she said, um, oh, she said, I'm, um, what did she say? I can't remember what it was. I'm, I'm a first-time 
first, oh, I've never done this. Whatever it was, and I was waiting for him to say, what, you've never used a telephone before. You know, it's, it's sort of, it's just like doing anything else. You can just sort of get through to, uh, to various presenters on LBC. Dean says, being a fairly new listener, do you have a podcast you can take on holiday? Take them all on holiday, as far as I'm concerned. In fact, people do. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands every day. Um... Other people who uh, who download my podcast who get it sent for free actually. If it's the the the, uh, the little one that we do after the program, you just go to the LBC website. It's very easy. LBC website, download the free app, costs nothing, and then every day we send you the free podcast. And there's a few free podcasts, but I think there's about three that we send you every uh, every day. So you can um, you can enjoy them. Why not? Why not? Why not? So go to the LBC website lbc.co.uk and then you'll find it on there just download it oh sorry my phone's making a noise uh download it and then it'll be absolutely perfect and uh, i think i was right actually with the the best of steve allen i think for later we're having a bit of a disaster this week with the uh, with the in conversations i think i think it's going to be this weekend it's going to be a treat i think i think we should call it one from the archives or one because there's going to be too much too much celebration in the building today. People to worry about anything for tomorrow. So if we need to um, do any new sort of links for it, then you'll you'll hear them first on this program. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, in Canada, Simon and Jane Lewis say congratulations on the listening figures from all your friends in Canada. I'd love to go to Canada. It sounds. I mean, I've been to America and I quite fancy Canada. I had an uncle who was a lecturer in Canada, and that would be uh, that'd be a nice place to go to. I'd like to go there in the fall. I'd like to go there in the fall. That'd be very good indeed. Uh, Bob says the protesters outside the Byron Burger restaurant protesting about arresting illegal workers are the time wasters, the dross of society, and all probably on job seekers' allowance and other benefits. After all, who else has the time to turn up and protest at the drop of a hat? Next week it'll be protesting about some green striped red-tinted tissue paper being flushed down the toilet. Yes, I mean, I, I did wonder, actually, when I looked at them all there, I thought, well, what sort of people can actually sort of just walk out of their job again? Excuse me, I'm just going to protest about somebody who shouldn't be here in the first place because they're illegal. It's the only, it's the only thing I, I think about. The only thing I think about. And da, 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 very quickly here, one from uh, Daniel Cohen, adding his congratulations for the award and the biggest spike. That's the other Danny Cohen, which is good. So thank you very much indeed. And... Um, I put on a pair of rubber gloves. My Braille note-taker computer fell down the toilet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you take something out quickly, it's only if you try and turn it on, it can short, can't it? Anything, including, as I said before, the, uh, uh, the idea that you have a phone and if you drop it into water and it's easy... Don't ask me how it becomes easily done, but I know loads of people who drop their phones in water and they don't really know what to do about it. The idea is don't touch it, don't try and turn it on, don't try and do anything to it, just let it dry out. Of course, if you've, if you've had a toilet and it's got all sorts of chemicals in there, then you might be on a hiding to nothing. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, a good sleep can beat back pain, they tell us in the paper, thanks to a 24-hour clock in the spine. And uh, that's always the thing, isn't it? The amount of people who I've spoken to recently who've had terrible back pain, really, really bad back pain, and they don't know what to do about it. So they go to the doctor, the doctor just gives them a painkiller, whereas, in fact, really, you need a, a muscle relaxant because it, it can absolutely ruin your life. You know, people, you see people going, oh, God, it's absolutely awful. Uh, there's also a one-eyed illegal immigrant who avoided deportation from Britain three times who went on to steal £220,000. <clears> He's the former Armenian karate team coach called Hayek Madoyan. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he entered the UK illegally in 2001, was turned down for asylum, and he just went on to thieve. And he's been terribly successful. He, he goes to all sorts of places. 
And so all they've done now, they've just sort of sent him to prison and then they're going to deport him afterwards. It's just, I mean, he could stay under the rate. I mean, all he did was change his name. It was that easy. It was nothing difficult at all. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Just after six, uh, we'll bring you up to date with that fatal stabbing in Russell Square. So in about uh, 12 minutes' time, we'll do that. Other stories running in the uh, papers today. The drugs bill for diabetics now rockets to a billion pounds a year. And as you know, diabetics get everything for free. I have to hold my hands up and say that uh, there are probably loads of diabetics who could probably afford their drugs and afford their insulin. The reason you get it for free is without it, you have a you have a much shorter life. And so there are all sorts of drugs that we get from metformin upwards and the uh, related illnesses that come along with diabetes. And uh, as we seem to be becoming a nation of fatties due to all the dreadful fast food, you're going to see more and more diabetics and the, the bill will soar. I mean, it's, it's certainly... Uh, could go an awful lot higher than a billion pounds a year. I mean, I take 14 tablets a day. 14 tablets a day. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure what they're all for. I know one of them's an aspirin, so I don't think it really counts as anything particularly expensive. But uh, it's still rocketing. It's still going up on my insulin. I wouldn't even like to imagine. It'd be interesting to find out how much these things cost. That's Mr Shah at my uh, at my dispensary can tell me things. Because like, I don't know. I don't know what insulin would cost. I get, you know, three or four boxes of insulin per month. And I'm assuming it must cost a fair bit, mustn't it? Uh, young Professor Jonathan Shallot, OBE, uh, is over at the moment in Beverly Hills. He did buy the Harry Potter book at the airport. He said, but I am listening to you on my simple radio app on my iPhone. And tonight I went to a live recording of America's Got Talent at the Dolby Oscar Theatre in Hollywood, where my client, Paul Zerdin, was performing. Paul, of course, is the English uh, ventriloquist who won America's Got Talent last year. Uh, who I've known, I don't know if you know, Jonathan, I've known him since he was about 13 or 14. And a uh, very clever lad, even back then. Very, very clever lad. But uh, they're now producing a Vegas show at Planet Hollywood. Hope as sunny in London as is in California, if only. If only. Yesterday it was miserable and overcast, and today it's going to be uh, a little bit windy. Not the most exciting weather that we've ever had. He said, please say hello to my wife, Katrina, and mother-in-law, Carmel, who will be listening and will love the mention. He said, I got a gong and OBE for services to entertainment two years ago. I hope you feel I deserved one. He does have just about everybody on his books. Every time I see lots of pictures of certain celebrities out there, I always go, I bet that's one of Jonathan's clients. I always say that. Anyway, I hope you're well, young man. Nice to know that uh, that we have you with us this morning, which is good, and it's been proven in the audience figures that uh, even more people are listening, and that spike looks ever stronger. I think you could probably balance an umbrella on the top of it. Uh, We lived in Toronto. Steve, uh, for five years, great experience. For the fall, the best time to go is mid to late September. Be aware that Canada, from the east coast to the west coast, is three and a half thousand miles, uh, i.e. the Atlantic from London to New York. So if you do stay in Toronto, a few nights in Montreal, fantastic restaurants. And on a topical note, if any train in Canada is five minutes late, passengers get an automatic refund. Poor people on Southern Rail. He says, well done on Rajar. I'm sure you should have a big pay discussion. Oh, I shall mention that to my boss when I see him next time round. I'm sure he'll be delighted to have a big pay discussion on that one. Uh, but it's, a friend of mine did that, uh, that uh, Canadian Rockies train, Mr Shah did, and said he thought it was fantastic. Said he thought it was absolutely fantastic. That's where you sit in the, in the bubble at the top of it. And I always thought that was uh, a great thing to do. It's, it's obviously a luxury holiday and something that not everybody can afford to do. But if you can afford to do it, then uh, it's, uh, it's, it's well worth it. Well worth it. You know, save up to do something special. You're going to have one of those really nice holidays. And uh, if you do have a luxury holiday, it kind of spoils you for anything else, doesn't it? 
Uh, the illegal immigrants living in this country, a million, they reckon, illegally, a million. They either run out of the back of lorries and they just disappear into the community. They just disappear in. Uh, many of them uh, are not fleeing persecution. They're just here to, uh, to get in on the bandwagon. And uh, we have all sorts of trouble. In fact, at the same time as one of the papers was, was telling us about a million illegals living in Britain, there's a Romanian crook that we let in has just been jailed for a sex attack. Jailed for 13 years. Kristen Adrian Lascu was allowed into Britain after release from prison in Romania. And he targeted a drunk woman. And we seem to have loads of these people here. That's why they were saying the other day, I think you probably heard it first on LBC, where they were saying that a lot of these people, uh, we need to teach them how to behave with women. They don't seem to know how to behave with women. They seem to think that, you know, all women are fair game, which, of course, is not the case. And so you're seeing more and more people appearing in court uh, on these charges of assault. Uh, If you're going out to eat, what would you rather have? Salad? Fish and chips. Apparently, fewer are opting for the fish and chip menu now. I don't know why people have fallen out of love with fish and chips. I didn't. I thought people still absolutely loved fish and chips. A portion of chips in the morning and a piece of fish or a sausage in batter or beef burger in batter or gravy on your chips or curry sauce on your chips. Sounds delightful. Why would you want a salad? And the answer is that the salad is supposed to be healthier for you. The fish is healthy, but of course it's got the batter on, which isn't. But that's the bit that tastes the best. Everybody absolutely loves it. What they did, they actually studied 800 restaurants, pubs and hotels. Nearly two in three Brits say they're cutting out fatty food. But the most popular meals on the menu are still burgers and pizzas. I don't think people see a pizza as being fatty, do they? They don't seem to see a pizza as fatty. And yet I could tell you straight away, it's like pita bread. I remember years ago thinking, if I have some pita bread and put some egg mayonnaise and some smoked salmon in it, that'll be really healthy. Apparently not. Pita bread is very fatty. About 36 grams of fat, I think, in each, in each sort of little, little pouch. But yet everybody loves it. And, of course, we eat it if you have kebabs and stuff like that. But given the choice of a salad, I think that's why people have salad on top of a, on top of a, a doner kebab, because they think it's the healthy side. So they know that the doner kebab is really unhealthy. So they have the salad on the top, and they think that actually takes it away and makes it into a, into a healthy meal, which, of course, it doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't make any difference at all. I'll tell you what, buy... buy, um, buy um, a kebab, leave it till the next morning and have a look at it. You'd be horrified. Horrified that that is in your stomach. Really horrified. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Virginia Backburn, writing in her column today in The Express, is uh, roughly emulating what I said yesterday on the programme about doing Mary Poppins again, doing another film. Now, you know that there was another script written for Mary Poppins and they had various people who were going to do it. Uh, but this time, they think that it's actually going to be Emily Blunt, uh, but with cameo roles for Dame Julie Andrews and, uh, of course, the man, Dick Van Dyke, who they all used to laugh about his British accent. Now, I'm with Virginia Blackburn. She says, can somebody stop this nonsense, really? You shouldn't touch this film with a barge pole. I don't want to see things as a remake. Can you imagine doing a remake of Casablanca? She says, somebody stop this travesty now, please. You cannot go back... And, and reinvent the wheel. You cannot improve on perfection. And what anybody ever thinks about it, that was the film that many people grew up with. Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins was absolutely delightful. Everybody loved it. So to make another one is really not the kind of thing. You know, it, it seems a little, bit, a little bit difficult, a little bit difficult to actually think that, uh, that you can make something and it's going to be as successful as the first one. But, but uh, it doesn't, actually. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. 
and uh, we'll take some more of your texts and emails in a moment. Plus, uh, the anti-Semitic hate crimes in the UK saw. There's a slight worry here going on because the number of vile hate crimes against Jewish people is soaring. Anti-Semitic incidents rose by 11% in the first six months of 2016 compared with the same period last year. Home Secretary Amber Rudd has called the statistics deplorable and has vowed to stamp out hate crime with a £13 million security fund to protect Jewish sites. Good Lord. I don't think you're ever going to stamp out hatred, are you? There's always going to be people who, it doesn't matter how many times you actually sort of uh, talk about it or how many people you bring in. It's like around Russell Square, you'll see an increased police presence. But, of course, it wasn't there yesterday when this incident occurred, which is what we're going to be talking about after the news at uh, 6 uh, o'clock this morning. So I don't think actually pumping £13 million into anything is going to stop it. If people want to do something, they will do it, irrespective. And whether it's due to drink or drugs or whatever it happens to be, uh, they will still go ahead with it. They will still go ahead with it because they don't seem to understand. We see it on the television, don't we, where people stand there. There was a, a dreadful incident the other day of somebody in Slough who was stopped by the police as part of their interceptor programme. And um, and uh, they'd stopped the uh, the uh, the person because the uh, the kiddie driving the car wasn't wearing a seatbelt so they just they just pulled him in it happened to be outside his own house uh, and out came the father and the father starts getting a little bit leery and i was looking at him thinking you're just an idiot aren't you and the son's saying don't 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 upset him don't upset him he's got a really bad temper and you think well he should be locked up then there's something the matter with him and then at one point he sort of was right in the policeman's face and the policeman put his hand on him and just gently pushed him away and he said don't you touch me he said, I'll get a lawyer on to you. And, of course, he was all mouth and no trousers. And uh, he was just a horrible person. And it made you wonder, really, why anybody in this day and age would ever want to become a police officer. The simple reason they get abuse from just about everybody. All they're trying to do is, uh, is uphold the law. And then you get this vile family and the son going to him, don't, please don't touch him, please don't touch him. You know, you'll, you'll regret it. And you think, well, you can't have a situation like that. This person, I mean, you only have to look at the outside of his house to realise that uh, you were not wanting to live next door to this person anytime soon. It was just dreadful, dreadful person, really. Uh, Steve, on food again, says Kumar. Can't help it, can't help it. Well, especially after all those superfoods that we were told about before. And then it turned out that they weren't so superfood, but the one which I quite like and is, uh, and is good is that beetroot juice, but not too much of it. Not too much of it, but pure beetroot juice. Not, not, not beetroot juice that's been mixed with other things. Coconut water, they've said, is... is about as useful as uh, as water, so you can you can just go for that. Can't just drink water, but the trouble is, people like coconut water because I think it's really really good. Do you know on the subject? I'm, I'm going to talk about dogs as well because there is a school for Britain's worst behaved dogs, and they have a an intensive training scheme. There's also another story in the paper today that says that we've got more overweight dogs in this country now than at any other time more overweight dogs and they show you pictures of how enormous some of these dogs are because people overfeed because you do tend to I don't know if, you, if you're a dog lover uh, you tend to feed your dog under the table they end up having basically what you're having to eat whereas in fact it's not particularly good for them and after uh, Looper which I think is uh, Prince George's dog was fed an ice cream uh, people were apoplectic you shouldn't feed a dog ice cream it's like you shouldn't give a dog chocolate, but people do, and they get really fat, and they also become very ill. So when he was pictured holding it, I mean, it's a great picture, but it's just that it was perhaps the wrong picture, because you don't feed dogs ice cream, no matter how much you think they like it, and they will, because it's cold, everything else, it's not good for them. Very bad. It's all right if you go to London Zoo, because they feed the gorillas there. When it's a really, really hot day, they make up these huge ice lollies, 
which are absolutely enormous, and they absolutely love them. <laughs> Sounds quite nice, doesn't it, really? Anyway, coming up to the news at 6 o'clock, it's Thursday, the 4th of August. The mum who felt lucky to beat cancer also felt lucky when telling her daughter to go and buy a lottery ticket. It picked up 61.1 million. The southern rail commuters face walkouts all over the place. You're going to be suffering again, I'm afraid. Uh, Women are the worst trolls, says a BBC star who has been trolled before. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne is a bit cheaty with a lot of women. And Will Young has been dumped by his record label. All of that and more coming the other side of the news on LBC this morning. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice heavy company. It's five minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Thursday, the 4th of August. Ozzy Osbourne, a bit of a cheater with lots of women now. Will Young dumped by his record label. Southern Rail commuters are going to face walkouts. There's going to be chaos all over the place. The mum who felt lucky after she'd beaten cancer sends her daughter out to buy a lottery ticket. And lo and behold, 61.1 million. That would be the luckiest walk. And it was in the rain as well, so she wasn't too happy about that. A machete-wielding scooter racer has been caught by the police. It was a gang who were going to target a watch uh, shop in London. The police had a tip-off. They were waiting for them. And uh, the woman who loses her iPhone in the sea then finds it, and surprise, surprise, it works. Which, of course, is not something that happens to everybody. Plus, the council bosses who are going to meet the family of Victoria Wood to put up a memorial in her hometown. All of that and more between now and 6.30. But you're probably waking up to the news that we've had another fatality in London, this time in Russell Square. It's a fairly busy area of London. It's right down the bottom of the Euston Road, if you know the area. And uh, it's at the back of the British Museum, so it borders a a fairly affluent area of Bloomsbury. Uh, The square itself has had uh, all sorts of uh, chequered history. We've had uh, an explosion there some years ago. Uh, All we know is that last night, one woman, I think aged 60, was killed, I think, in a knife attack, and five people were injured. Our reporter, Rachel Venables, is down there in Russell Square. Rachel, good morning. Good morning. So what do we know? Yes, well... Well, at the moment, we know very little. Police say that they were called out to this part of Russell Square at around half ten last night to reports of a mass stabbing out in the middle of the street. When they got here, they found six people injured. One of them, as you mentioned, was that woman. We know that she was in her 60s, or she's believed to have been in her 60s, and she died at the scene. We don't yet know how the other five are doing, but we do know that they were attacked, they were stabbed, uh, and it looks like by a man here uh, in an attack, as I say, late last night. Now, police say they got here at half past ten. Within five minutes, they had tasered a man who was 19 years old. Uh, they aren't giving us too much information. We don't yet know his identity either. They do say that mental health could be a factor in what happened here, that they won't rule out terrorism as a motive either. Is this, uh, was this a party or is this just somebody on the street? Were these pe- I mean, I know it's a fairly busy area because I know it actually quite well. Were they in a hotel? Were they coming out of a hotel? Well, all I can tell you at the moment is there is a hotel here, the Imperial Hotel. I'm standing right next to it, obviously on the other side of the cordon, just down the street and then across onto the pavement, which just borders uh, the park here, which is all gated off and also cordoned off. There is a forensics tent out on the pavement. So that's it's blue with sort of a yellow topping. I don't know if that's where it happened. It does look like, though, that that is, is the source of the focus of the police here. So it looks like it happened out on the middle of the street or certainly something key happened over there. Is, is there a bigger police presence out there now? 
absolutely. There are police officers everywhere. So there are two huge streets, uh, with one with the, the hotel on it, and then the other, I'm looking down, it's got lots of hotels, big, tall, uh, sort of four-story townhouses, and that covers the east corner, I guess, you know, two sides of this park. They are both completely blocked off, so if you want to get from one side of the other, you have to walk a good five, ten minutes all the way around the other streets. There are police officers in their yellow high-vis jackets on every corner, standing, of course, looking really serious. And, of course, it's not just here where there are police this morning. Uh, the, the Mets have said that there were more police officers just across London in general this morning as a way of making people feel safer and making sure, I'm assuming, that something like this doesn't happen again. And have they mentioned how long the square is going to be closed? Because that's, that's quite a big traffic hotspot anyway. People coming in off the Euston Road cut down to cut down to the Strand. So, is that, so the buses will have to be rerouted as well. Absolutely. We'll be hearing, uh, of course, on the travel, I think, uh, more on this throughout the day. They haven't said how long it'll take. Investigations like this, they usually uh, play their cards quite close to their chest, but I'm sure it's going to be several hours. At the moment, there's no one working in the square itself, no mm. one collecting evidence. I'm sure they did a lot of that last night. But, I mean, the cordons are huge. They stretch right the way across. It's very windy, and they're just blustering right the way across the road. I think it's going to be several hours at least before this clears up, if not longer. And what about the five people who were injured? Were they taken to hospital, or were they able to? let them go from there. Uh, it's, again, it's, it's unsure. All we know is that five people were injured. I believe a few of them are in hospital, but all we know for definite is that a woman did die at the scene here last night, believed to have been in her 60s. Police say no more information. We don't know if they know who she is, if, next of, if her next of kin have even been informed yet. OK, well, no doubt we'll catch up a little bit later on. Rachel, thank you for that. Rachel Venables, our uh, reporter down at Russell Square. So no doubt as the as the day goes through, my advice is actually because that area is particularly bad anyway. I mean, you can sit in traffic for ages and ages is to avoid that and uh, maybe come off at uh, at Euston and go down the way that you would do as if you were going to go down to Bloomsbury. That'll make it a lot easier because once you get caught up in that traffic at Russell Square, you could be sitting there for ages. You can't actually go all the way round Russell Square, which, of course, you would do if you were sort of coming in from the Euston Road. So we'll have more on that on our travel update a little bit later on this morning. So one dead, five injured, and uh, reports a little bit sketchy at the moment, but the person who they think perpetrated the crime is under armed guard in hospital. More details on LBC as the day goes on. Ten past six is, uh, is the time. Uh, we were talking about uh, diabetes earlier on and talking about how statins, they now say, increase the risk of diabetes. A lot of people... I met, I met a lady the other day, actually, and she was in her 70s, and she's just been diagnosed as type 1 diabetic. I'm type 2, insulin-dependent and tablet-dependent. And uh, she was finding it very difficult. She was at that age where she bruised quite easily, and, uh, and she was sort of getting through the injections. But, you know, when, when they first teach you how to inject yourself, you suddenly realise that, you know, even at my age, it's still something that, that's quite a big deal. So you can imagine when, when children are having to inject from sort of a very, very early age, it's, it's quite dangerous. It really is. It's far more dangerous, I think, to be type 1 than to be type 2. I appear to be sort of keeping it just about under control. But I know from people that I've spoken to, they have a terrible time. They really do. It's terrible, really. Uh, toxic honours, nobody wants. This is the, uh, the mail this morning. And uh, as the resignation gongs have descended into chaos, I mean, they seem to be handing them out like sweeties, don't they? David Cameron, uh, in a pair of lovely shorts, swimming, they, they've all commented on the fact that his uh, personal trainer should give him his money back because David Cameron's body doesn't exactly look the fittest. But, I mean, it's OK. He's a politician. They're entitled to eat and things like that. I'm more worried about the, uh, the shorts he's wearing, which apparently cost £225. 
I wasn't aware that shorts cost £225. Seems an absolute fortune. But uh, they've obviously got cameramen either offshore in a boat with a long lens or they're standing right in front of him. It's a bit difficult. They think that uh, Samantha Cameron looks absolutely fantastic. But uh, there again, I suppose it depends on which, uh, which paper she's airbrushed in. It's one of, the, it's one of those dreadful things, isn't it? Because you look at, you know, two people on holiday... Uh, but they, they say that his shorts cost £216 more than her bikini. That's really not the kind of thing you need to know, is it, first thing in the morning. And uh, would you really tell your husband, ladies, what your beauty regime really costs? I know we can all hedge round the thing and go, oh, that doesn't cost very much at all. That was just a little pot of cream. I was watching, again, one of the shopping channels the other day on QVC, and they were, they were doing a, a tinted moisturiser, but they were doing it on a man. And I suddenly realised that th- this was a tinted moisturiser that apparently filled in uh, gaps as well, so it made you look very good. It's obviously like sort of a TV-type thing, because when they, when they went HD on the television, a lot of people were getting quite worried about it, and say, so now I think can spray the makeup on so that it makes you look an awful lot better. Uh, unfortunately... Not everybody works like that at all. Uh, the Square, about an hour ago, says Warren, I was uh, up there and it's closed off. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, a place, it's a place not to go to at the moment. Avoid it, because you will be sitting up there in traffic for ages and ages. So at least if we forewarned you, it'll be a lot better. And uh, uh, Warren's been out this morning taking pictures uh, with a guy called Doug Chinnery at Tower Bridge. Photography lessons as the sun rises. Somebody sent me in a fantastic picture of London the other day. And I think it was taken overlooking the Thames. And uh, when we walked over the bridge a short while ago to get to Waterloo, the producer, uh, Chris, took a picture going out because the sun was exactly right. Everything looked right. You could see St Paul's Cathedral. You could see all the huge, the shard and everything else. And it was just one of those great, you know, it failed to take a bad picture. Failed to take a bad picture, and so he, he got a good picture. But now Warren's decided to get some lessons on how to take the best pictures. Uh, 84850, Steve, at uh, what was What's the name of this uh, boxer, Fury? This is, this is the one he's been suspended for a little while, and then he was not suspended, and now they're going to investigate, investigate him again over, over various rumours that, uh, that he's used a banned substance. He said, absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. But, of course, you know what they're like nowadays? They were, first of all, we were going to have half the, uh, the Russian team banned from the Olympics because of uh, doping and taking illegal substances. And then all of a sudden, uh, they're not talking about that. They're talking about, oh, maybe it only affected a few people. But there is a lovely pullout in the paper today of Team GB, the women to watch, and a glamorous bunch they are too. I'm not saying that they're not generally glamorous in the, uh, in the Olympics, but uh, this lot look even better than normal. We've got everybody here from Helen Glover and Heather Stanning, who are doing rowing, Jade Jones in Taekwondo, uh, Jessica Ennis-Hill in the heptathlon, Samantha Murray, the pentathlon, and Vicky Holland, the triathlon. But there's more, everything from rowing to equestrian to... Imagine how many people do Taekwondo. I think that's the one you go, like that. But it doesn't quite work for me. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. The, the story, as you now know, which has unfolded since 10.30 last night, is that there was uh, a stabbing in Russell Square. A uh, man 19 is being held after a 60-year-old woman apparently has died. Five other people were injured. Joining us now is retired detec- Detective Inspector Hamish Brown, MBE with the Met Police and an expert on protection. Mr Brown, good morning. Closing down 11 points. Oh, good morning, Mr Brown. Mr Brown? 
Good morning. Yes, uh, yes good morning. Hello. What is the procedure in a, in a situation like this? Is it, I mean, do, do the police have a set procedure that they go through? Somebody will phone up and say there's an incident which has taken place in, in Russell Square. What happens after that? How does it, how does it pan out? Well, this is a very, very tragic situation, so, so we won't lose sight of that. But an incident will have been reported, and police will respond quickly. And, of course, it's heightened security, given world events at the moment. So they'll get in there and just deal with it. And, of course, um, we now have, or it seems, more police officers in central London and other possible flashpoints armed, and uh, they're going to be quickly deployed. And at the end of the day, they're going to sort out pretty soon uh, what they're going to respond quickly to and what they're not. But uh, at the moment, um, you know, they're, they're very cautious of any incident and uh, they'll keep an open mind uh, what happened here. We don't know. A 19-year-old's been arrested. And, of course, um, a mental health and other issues will, will come into it. The, the thing is that uh, I've pointed out to everybody all the time, people who want to perpetrate crimes uh, in this day and age, if, they, if they're going to do it, as we discovered in France, they just go ahead and do it. Does it really make a difference having... I mean, I love seeing more police officers on the street, but does it really make a difference? Well, we're dealing with the unknown at the moment because we don't know what this person's about. But if we take some incidents, and we've seen tragedies, notably Nice, where the person just didn't stop, and I think it was 80-something killed, um, and if the person can be stopped uh, at an early stage, then that's going to reduce um, uh, possible fatalities and certainly injuries. So, yes, it is important they get in there, and there is that size of deterrence and the police can get in quickly. And, and above all, it's that reassurance to the public. Are, are we going to see, do you think, more armed police officers on the streets? In other countries, it's been standard uh, for many, many years to see armed police officers. For us, it's a bit of a rarity, isn't it? Well, it is in certain ways, but, you know, there, there is some comfort, um, that, uh, for me anyway, that when I go to an airport, they're, they're police officers with machine guns, and I would feel less safe if the, the police officers weren't there. And, you know, when we look at things like, um, I don't know, the south of France, you know, armed policers, police officers on the beach, which in the first instance might seem absurd, but actually I, sh- I should think that some bathers and other people on holiday there will be very pleased and very assured to have them there. So that this is how it's going. Yes, we will have uh, more armed police officers in certain areas, I would say, and... Um, Unfortunately, that's got to be a positive thing. It's up to us as well, isn't it, to be to be more vigilant. If you if you think there's something, you know, going wrong next door, or you're sort of su- suspicious about a family or something like that, do, do the police object to us phoning up and saying, "Listen, we, we're not sure about this." Yes, I, I, I think the, the, the police are delighted to hear that, and they do, they don't mind nine calls which go nowhere, but that tenth is very important. And uh, it, was, it was quite interesting, really, that there have been issues of radicalism. And I was listening to a speaker, and um, they were talking about, you know, in 80% of cases when there has been a terrorist incident and the authorities have got into the family of the person concerned, 80% of them have said, oh, yeah, we thought he was going to do this. 
Hmm. And, and it's because of different changing in views, extreme views, you know, the radical uh, extremist ideas. And people aren't coming forward with this. So um, there are websites, I don't, don't know it's off the back of my, ha- top of my head, and indeed there are helplines and what have you, they can be found on the internet, where you can voice uh, your concerns, or indeed just get hold of the police. Mm. How, how, how will the police rule out terrorism from this particular attack, or is it too early to tell? Well, they're going to look at all the circumstances. Um, the person who's been arrested is alive, so they're going to be interviewed, they're going to look into their background, and they're going to find out exactly just what happened. So they'll weigh it up. It's, it's too soon to say um, it is a terrorist incident, but it's very serious, it's very tragic. Uh, a poor lady's died, and at the end of the, end of the day, it's a 19-year-old in custody. I mean, mm. how young is that? So they'll look at all the circumstances, weigh it up. But it's good the police responded quickly, and it will be that reassurance to the public. Hamish Brown, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Hamish Brown, MBE, retired detective inspector with the Met Police and an expert on protection. 6.25 is uh, the time. Actually, going back to the, uh, to the diabetes story, I didn't realise that they've managed to find out which particular areas of the, of the country are high spending. Having told you it's a billion pounds on medication because there's, there's tablets, there's the insulin, there's needles, there's the testing strips, there's the machine. There's all sorts of things that go along with diabetes. And surprisingly, it's Birmingham Cross City who are number one, 50. £15.3 million they spend a year on diabetes. By, uh, by contrast, Richmond, down the road from me, uh, is number 10 in the bottom. Uh, £1.8 million. Pounds. I mean, obviously, £1.8 million is too high. Uh, other in the top spenders, you've got Sandwell and West Birmingham, £13 million. Cambridgeshire and Peterborough, £13 million. Dorset, 13 All the areas, you wouldn't have thought so, would you really? Sheffield, £9 million. Pounds. So it's something. So it's it's actually rocketed the bill, eighty six percent in ten years, eighty six percent, and it's going to get worse. But I remember somebody saying that years and years ago to me. They said, "You diabetics cost us a lot of money." I said, "I'm well aware of that. I'm well aware of it. I'm terribly grateful. I know that there are certain drugs that they give to people and certain drugs that they take off people. But uh, the diabetes one is uh, is a thorny issue. But uh, how you get round it, I've got no idea. Billion pounds now, and it's uh, it's heading." Skywards. Nick Cave is in a lot of the papers today. It's a terribly sad story. You remember Nick Cave talked about the the death of his uh, 15-year-old son. Uh, He says that the the loss of his son, his son Arthur, fell to his death from a 60-foot cliff in July after taking LSD. He's done a trailer for a film that will launch his first album since the tragedy. And he says, you know, most of us don't want to change, really. He says, why should we? What we do want is a sort of modification on the original model. And he says he's changed so much He's hardly able to recognise himself. The old, uh, the old adage that, you know, you expect your children to bury you, not you to bury your children. But uh, he's, uh, he's, he's very sad, very sad about the whole thing, as indeed you would be. He says, here, I've become somebody that I just don't even recognise. Uh, quickly, other stories on the, uh, on the papers today. The hottest year on record. Having had rain everywhere, now they're going to tell us that this weekend is going to be a heat wave. A lot of people telling me about uh, taekwondo. Uh, it's a mixture of sort of... Uh, taekwondo, this is what Ian does, he does a mixture of that, and Kung Fu, but, uh, thank you. But I'm, I'm none, none the, the wiser on what Taekwondo is. Is it not all the same thing? Obviously not. Obviously not. Uh, so, um, that was only because I was looking at the, uh, at the pictures of all the, uh, the ladies. Uh, Steve says, Alan, I'm diabetic, and I only take tablets, uh, metformin and glycoside as well. 
Yes, I mean, I, I do metformin and I inject, so I, and two lots of, uh, of injections. But as I say, I'm sure I've told people enough times about being diabetic and getting yourself checked if you think you could be diabetic. And the hard and fast rule is you go to the toilet a lot uh, at night. You're probably slightly overweight. You probably smoke. You probably drink. And uh, <clears throat> you probably eat a lot of the food that you shouldn't eat. But uh, if you do wake up and go to the toilet a lot in the night, then go and get yourself checked. It's a simple... They can either do a simple little blood test... Or failing that, they can give you a stick and they can tell you straight away if you wee on it. And that will tell you if you're diabetic. Uh, because mine was diagnosed years ago by a friend of mine. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, I, think I, I think I came in at 21 uh, reading. <clears throat> and he said, go, go to the doctors. And I went in and I said, I think I'm diabetic. And they did a blood test straight away. And he went, yep, you're diabetic. And I've had loads of friends of mine saying, oh, I go to the toilet a lot. And you test them. We've all got little sort of blood testing things. And it turns out they're not diabetic. And they always look disappointed. Always look disappointed. Listen, that's just about it for this morning. Thank you so much for your, uh, for your company today. I'm sorry that the programme has been tinged with uh, sadness, the loss of life for that 60-year-old woman in uh, Russell Square. But we'll keep you up to date with everything on on LBC. Uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. If you go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk, then you can download that free app for your mobile, for your tablet, and uh, for just about everything else. And we send you some free podcasts, and you can listen to the station wherever you are, which is why we've got record figures. So we're going to be celebrating today in our own quiet little way, and I will be back with you tomorrow morning. Leading Britain's conversation at 7, it's Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But coming up next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.